I can't do it. It's impossible. Sure, you can. It's very simple. They're all just they're so cool in different ways. All right, well, let's start somewhere easier then. What's your least favorite? We can start there, eliminate a few, and then there's only going to be a few options by the time you have to choose your favorite. James, there are thousands, tens of thousands. There must be one, one that you don't like. I guess that one. Oh, really? Why? I, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about it, so I don't know that I love it yet. This is agony. Each of them is incredible, streamlined, focused, perfectly designed for its purpose. I could spend my whole life looking at each one of them, and I wouldn't even be scratching the surface. They're... us, James. They're like people. Beautiful, flawed, utterly unique, and if you take one away, it's not the same anymore. Well, they're just ants. You take that back! <laughs> Shout out to anyone that joined us in our stream uh, uh, not long ago. <laughs> Twitch.tv slash get commanded. Yes, uh, the ants came up and were a significant talking point. Surprising number of our listeners obsessed with ants. Um, it was one and we had a great chat. <laughs> um, uh, but also one is a surprising number of our listeners that is obsessed with that's ants. That's true. Um, <laughs> welcome to the Get Commanded podcast by the Greensboro Commander community. It's the GCP by the GCC and... POG, Palms Off Gaming, sponsor of this podcast. We're all uniting forces to help you to have better games of Commander. I'm your host, Walt. And hello, Commander players. I'm your other host, James. Now, before we get to the transmission for this Friday, I just wanted to give you guys the opportunity to support the content that you're listening to. And the best way to do it is on Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com slash getcommandedpodcast. There's a bunch of really cool rewards in there. We can have a look at your deck lists, make some suggestions. We can play with you, uh, even on Spell Table if you live far away. But mm. we can meet up with you at local game stores in Melbourne if required. There's a bunch of different ways to do it. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you to everyone that joined our stream genuinely um, the other yeah. week. Uh, we had a really, really good time. Walt and I kept to our promise from the last, like, two episodes ago, maybe, or one uh, episode ago. Can't recall. Can't remember anymore. But we said we would stream the Lord of the Rings draft. We did. We went Rakdos, got, like, orcs, a mass orcs. Mm. And we did pretty well. We got some pretty gas. We got an orcish bowmasters, which was sick. Yeah, that was actually really sweet. But yeah, shout out to everyone that joined. And if you feel like supporting us so we can do more of that stuff and we can make it better and more enjoyable for you the best way to do it is at patreon.com slash get commander podcast yep it's true it's the best way to encourage us to make more of this stuff for you so thank you um now we do have an incoming transmission mm. from the deep depths of the galaxy from the space commanders it's time to get commanded Walt has constructed many commander decks over the last several years but how does he decide which of them to play in any given game? Where would his various decks be arranged if they were sorted into tiers? Oh, we're gonna get a tier list of your commander decks. Apparently, man, what a 
I'm excited. They're like straight up calling you out now. Like this some is direct. Some episodes they're like, you know, glass cannons are really like challenging. And I'm like, well, this episode's about you, Walt, isn't it? Um, this is pretty serious. Like we're just going to go through your list. Yeah, straight up. I, I guess they probably have been inspired by the recent um, Command Zone episode by um, my favorite deck builder on the planet, Rachel Weeks. She is an absolute god. Yes. God tier. Love her deck so much. Um, so she did basically almost exactly this. So it seems like the space commanders want me to do the same um that episode was only rachel weeks so i guess we'll have to do Would it you a... want me to go away no or... <laughs> no no you're sticking around we have to do it slightly differently though because she was just like talking the whole time yeah. i don't want to do that i'm interested to hear your thoughts on my decks. well like the other well. thing is like i think that there's something to say about what decks feel like to play against yeah like there's like you can talk about all day how you built them how you intend them to work and all that kind of stuff but at the end of the day feedback on your own decks you should actually seek quite a lot. I mm. think if we're going to cram a get commanded message into this episode <laughs> is get feedback on your decks. Find yeah. out what it's like for your friends to play against them. Because I think it's going to be really rewarding for you to hear. Well, I'm really interested to hear the relationship between how much fun I'm having at the helm of the deck and how much fun you're having playing against it. Usually it's an inverse relationship. <laughs> if you're having a lot of fun, I'm miserable. If I'm having a lot of fun, you're miserable. Yeah. It's like one of the two. It's it's <laughs> a lot of the time. So I'm interested to see how that all shakes up. So maybe what we'll do, well, let, let's go through the template because I thought a bit about this and sure. how I reckon we should break it down mm -hmm. in in for the sake of the fact that there's two of us here. Mm -hmm. So um, I think what we'll do, we'll start with, I'll give a rundown of how the how the deck works. Mm -hmm. So we'll go through each, each of my decks like this doing all these questions. So how does the deck work? What's the strategy? How does it win? You know, the usual sort of like... Rule zero-y type. Rule zero-y also kind of like, you know, how at the beginning of game nights from Command Zone, uh, how they, they do like, like the... my deck is an aristocrat's deck that wins by sacrificing blah, blah. Are you, you going to like, do it in American accent I'm not going to do it in American cards. No, <laughs> I won't be doing any of that. But I will be giving that sort of a rundown of the deck. So like cool. one sentence, super short. Um, I think to give an idea of how the deck works, I'll give two key cards. Yep. Um, I think Rachel called these cornerstones in hers because she had four of them. We'll, we'll call them pillars. Pillars. Yeah. Make it make it different. <laughs> Subtle. I like it, yeah. James. Um, <laughs> two key cards. One weird card because I I have to I have to shout out. To be honest, a lot of these are going to be thrifty Thursday. I was cards, about to say. I, I feel like we may have heard some of these cards before. Yeah. Um, but also, if you hear this card and go, "Oh, that'd be great in my deck," well, it's probably going to be like 15, 20 cents to pick yeah. up. Yeah. So. When I say weird card, I mean weird budget card. Uh, There's not many chance. cards that are stu stupid and like act weirdly, and they're twenty dollars. Well. I was under this impression, and then I watched Rachel Weeks' rundown of her decks. She finds weird cards that are like $20. She plays this card in her um, Octavia deck, uh, Octavia Living Thesis. It's like a three-mana blue bolt. Damage? Yeah, in it, blue. Deal, it deals three damage to any target, and then deals three damage to you, I think. It's called, like, Psionic Blast, or something weird. It's like $20, because it's a blue bolt. That didn't come up in our philosophy episode. <laughs> no! Blue. What a weird it's blue really card. It's really old, um, as you would expect. But yeah. yeah, like, she finds some cards like that. But yes, my ones are normally cheap, because right. I don't have the money for it. Um, so that's sort of the rundown of the deck. And then I'm going to talk about what it's like for me to pilot the deck. Mm -hmm. And I want to hear from you as well, as, as we talked about, about what you think of playing against the deck. And that was yeah. sort of a discussion of just like, what's the deck like in a game? I played against all of your decks now, so yep. yeah. Yep. Uh, and then at the very end, I'll give my verdict on this very end of each deck. 
Uh, so how fun is it to play? Um, do I get to play it very often? And then how does that relate to which tier it goes into? Are we doing, you want to do like an actual I'm tier list? I'm doing an actual like tier an list. Okay, so yeah, right. it'll be like S, A, B, C, D, I think is the sure. way it goes. And that's from best to worst. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does that All make right. sense? That makes sense. Cool. I'm keen. Should we jump right into the first deck? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Who's so up first? The first deck I want to talk about today is my Wart the Raid Mother deck. Ah, Goblin Spellslingery. Yeah. So this is um, a Wart the Raid Mother is a six mana Goblin Shaman. It's a 3-3 three, three, and it says when... It's red-green, by the way. Uh, when Wart the Raid Mother enters the battlefield, put two 1-1 one, one red and green Goblin Warrior creature tokens onto the battlefield. And each red or green instant or sorcery spell you cast has Conspire. So as you cast the spell, you can tap two untapped creatures you control that share a color with it. When you do, copy it and you may choose new targets for the copy. So basically, yeah, you're making a bunch of uh, creatures and you're copying them with what's ability. So mm. it's a fairly optimized glass cannon <laughs> yep. spell slinger deck. Um, the Trice Make a Billion co Goblins... Um, by copying spells and tries to copy spells with those billion goblins. It just kind of like snowballs, snowballs, snowballs yeah. until it all comes together. The cool thing about this deck is the goblins that Wart makes are red-green. So yes. they immediately give you a conspire on the battlefield already, which yeah. makes the deck like function when you cast Wart. There's mm. not like a much set up after that. No, it's yeah. true. It helps when you have more goblins, but you don't need that many because mm. you you're going to have two already with Wart. Yeah. Um, so two of the key cards... Uh, Brightstone Ritual is a really important one. This is an instant for a single red that says add red for each goblin in play. It says on this old version of the card. I suspect mm. that says on the battlefield now. Wow. So that checks your opponent's goblins wow, too. That's, that's random. Wild. That's super weird. Um, add red to your mana pool for each goblin on the battlefield. I mean, this is ridiculous. This is yeah. a huge, like even just with Wart, this is like a better piratic ritual. Yeah, single yeah. red, add three red. Yeah, yeah. It's and dark ritual and red. That's yeah. so sick. Most of the time, it's way better than that as yeah. well. Like, you, if you have five, six, seven goblins, like, oh my god, red, I just realized conspiring this means you. Yeah. Oh my lord, wow. Big yeah, that's card. the real tech yeah. is, is getting a copy of it, and then you've got so much red mana. Yep. Um, another card that is a key card in this deck will be Gutter Snipe. Uh, goblin. Yeah. That's why it's in the deck, right? It's also <laughs> just a good one. Uh, for two and a red. It's a Goblin Shaman. It's a 2-2. Two, two, and it says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, Gutter Snipe deals 2 damage to each opponent. So this is going to be a way of winning outside of combat. When mm -hmm. we cast those instants and sorceries, they're going to be doing a little bit of damage around the table. There's a really cool new version of this from the Lord of the Rings um, set that's an enchantment, which I oh, think is really cool. I did see that. Fiery Inscription, I think yeah. it's called. It's got another line of text on there somewhere, doesn't it? What's the other thing that it does? I'm not entirely sure. Ma Cutting might call. do something with the ring tempting you. Oh. Oh, I do. think it might do something like that. But yeah. it's, yeah, it's an enchantment version of Gutter Snipe. And mm. Gutter Snipe has been a staple in Commander for a long time. Yeah. So having an enchantment version, pretty good. Well, harder to remove, for yep. sure. Um, And my weird pick from this deck is Sardian Avenger. Uh, this is a 1-1 one, one for 1 and a red. It's a Goblin Warrior with First Strike and Trample. It's a 1-1. One, one. When it attacks, it gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the number of artifacts your opponents control. And whenever an artifact an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, Sardian Avenger deals one damage to that player. So this is the ultimate anti-treasure tech. Wow. Um, this came out in the Brothers War Commander decks. I think this right. is the Mishra Precon. Um, I love it. I think it's so fun. And it this checks how many artifacts your opponents control 
plural. Oh, so even if you're not... Like, it, it, it doesn't just care about the person it's attacking. No. Nope. It cares about everybody. Everybody. Wow, So it doesn't check huge. yours, but yeah, if, if you've got... You, James, have five artifacts and player three's got four and the other player's got four, then yeah. I'm adding, what, 13... It gets plus but 13. But it's also first strike trample. Yeah. So if it's 13-1, who cares about the one toughness? It's going to kill the block before it... And even deal gets a damage chance. over the top. That's sick. It's I love this card. So fun. I don't think I've actually seen this hit the battlefield playing against Wart against you. Well, is this I don't, a new include? It, it's fairly new, but also importantly, what is a deck I don't play very often? So I would like mm. to ask you, what what is this deck like to play against? Well, yeah, I can see why you don't like playing against it because we've spoken about decks that spin their wheels a lot mm. and i think this is definitely one of them when it pops off it looks incredible like you're creating you know if you go brightstone ritual and then copy it you're generating like more mana than any ritual spell you could possibly ask for mm. it's it's insane but sometimes you are digging and digging and digging for like a way to win the game yeah i'm kind of thinking maybe the way to make this deck better is to include like more win cons i'm not sure how many like you would say you're running like how many you've got tagged in moxfield that say win con mm. but like i remember like one example for when we were at a game store in melbourne called um plenty of games mm. we were in a game and you were spinning your wheels for ages and ages and ages and then you were like oh i think i can get there i just don't know how so you kept doing it we literally put our cards down face down on the table i think i got a drink and we sat yep. there for a while and then you were like all right i'm doing it i'm casting final fortune <laughs> which is a sorcery where you take an extra turn it's, it's two actually, red it's mana. actually instant is it instant you can take an extra turn like between two other players that's <laughs> wild but at the, the the crux of this spell is at yeah. the end of that turn you lose the game. This card's gotten a lot more expensive recently since Obeka got printed, because this is a classic mm. example of one of those effects that says, at the beginning of the end, step, lose the game, where you can tap Obeka and end your turn, and you won't lose the game. Yeah, so you you bypass that delayed trigger, yeah, which is insane. Straight up take an extra turn. But like you took an extra turn, and you took another probably 10 to 13 minute turn, mm. and then you did win the game. No, I, I didn't. Did you not win the game? Did I lose? lost that game. <laughs> oh my god! I think I might have just blacked out. To be honest, <laughs> there was but so much happening. But no, I just that makes up... my point even stronger. Yeah. I think this deck just spins its wheels until it like it feels like a car in mud. It's it's definitely a boom and bust yeah. kind of thing. Um, a glass cannon it's for sure. Definitely a glass cannon deck. Um, yeah, and that that's my main reason I don't play it very often. Is if what gets removed, I'm just like cool. What am I doing? Uh, mm. I have no idea. <laughs> Are you running a lot of protection? In the I've added a bit more in the last couple of weeks because I've noticed that she just gets removed all the time. Yeah. Um, but it needs probably more again, to be yeah. honest. I think also for six mana, it feels really bad casting your commander for the second time for eight. For the third time yeah. for ten. Yeah. Like it gets... It, it, like six mana is like that commander slot. And I was talking about this with my partner the other day who has an Asterion deck. Mm. Um, they hate having to cast Asterion for eight. Yeah. Um, so they're tearing it down and making a, a Norzov commander. Very similar. Mm. Um, but it's three mana commander. Yeah. I think I was talking about this the other yeah. day as well. So the verdict on Wart. Uh, while goblins are one of my favorite creature types and this deck gets to play some of my favorite weirdos... Um, it's very prone to interruption, see the glass cannon episode, and it sits at a very awkward power level. It's too sensitive to removal to be really powerful, but maybe too explosive for really casual tables. So consequently, 
I don't pull it out very often. Wart is a D. Wart a D. Yeah, look, my partner has explicitly said, I think when you built this deck, you were playing a lot with my partner. Um, they and- unfortunately had to suffer through like two to three games. And I think they were the first two to three games with the deck. And I think they were probably the first to be very honest with you and said, not again. I'm not feeling yeah, this. Yeah, they, they said like, maybe play it at a high <laughs> And I was like, totally respect that. Um... The next deck I'd like to talk about is my Crack the Thumbness and Acroma Vision of Ixidor uh, deck. Now, this deck, fun little side story, mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to see the commanders of this deck when mm-hmm. I first played against it. I had to guess what the commanders were and I failed miserably. <laughs> the, this deck does not do what you think it does. No, it's, um, yeah, you'll, you'll see in a sec. But basically, uh, Crack the Thumbless, we've all seen him before. He's a 2-2 Goblin Wizard for one and a red. When Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, flip a coin. If you lose the flip, return that spell to its owner's hand. If you win the flip, copy that spell and you may choose new targets for the copy. It's got partner, so this is definitely a spell slingery kind of card, typically. And the other commander is a Chroma Vision of Exodore for five white white. You get a six six angel with flying, first strike, vigilance and trample. At the beginning of each combat, until end of turn, each other creature you control gets plus one plus one if it has flying, plus one plus one if it has first strike, and so on, which I love that it says, and so on. And so on. For uh, double strike, death touch, haste, etc. Pretty much all of the keywords. Um, so, Krakenachroma, or Krakroma, as I affectionately call it, is a goofy Boros polymorph list with only six creatures that tries to find either Zarda or Mirrorwing Dragon and make an extraordinary number of tokens, then storm off for the win with a bunch of pump spells, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a polymorph list. So the, the key cards, one of them is going to be Chaotic Transformation. Uh, this is a typical polymorph effect. Um, I'll read it so you understand just exactly what a polymorph effect is. You exile up to one target artifact, up to one target creature, up to one target enchantment, up to one target planeswalker, and up to one target land. And for each permanent exile this way, its controller reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a card that shares a card type with it, and then they put that card onto the battlefield. So the main thing you're doing here is you're exiling a token creature that you control, and then you're revealing cards until you reveal one of those six creatures in the deck that you really want to get out. Mm -hmm. And because there's so few creatures in the deck, you get that card all the time. This is what they call a polymorph. Yeah, named after the actual spell polymorph, which is blue, which doesn't exist in this deck. No. (laughs) It's Boros. No. Most polymorph decks in Commander are blue because there's more polymorph effects in blue. Yes. But of course, you had to do it in Boros. (laughs) (laughs) I had to. Um... So the other key card in this deck is Angel Fire Ignition. Um, if I can find it in my list here, just one second. Where is it? It's run away from me. Angel there it Fire is. Ignition. It's one a sorcery. red and a white. One red and a white. It's a sorcery. It says put two plus one counters on target creature. It gains vigilance, trample, life length, indestructible, and haste until end of turn. And it has flashback for two red and a white. So basically the way this deck is trying to do it is it gets Mirrowing Dragon or Zarda Hedron Grinder out that says when you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets this creature... You copy it for each other creature you control, basically. Mm. So Angel Fire Ignition just puts all the keywords on that creature, puts two counters on it. And when you cast that on Mirrorwing Dragon, it's going to do the same thing for every other creature on your board. And then that is enhanced by a Chroma, Vision of Ixidor, mm. because she buffs for however many keywords 
the creatures have. So this yeah. is like the actual, like if you combine this with a chroma, a chroma can be a finisher in this deck. Yeah. And so, it's meant to be. Yeah. So you don't cast a chroma very often, but when no. you do, yeah, it's supposed to end the game yeah. on the spot. Um, the weird pick here, I tried to find a bunch of ways to put creatures back into my library so I could polymorph into them. I don't know why I thought that would be a good idea, but I did. <laughs> um, Fire Prophecy, for one and a red, is an instant that says, deals three damage to target creature. You may put a card from your hand on the bottom of your library if you do draw a card. So there's two reasons this is good in the deck. One is that it puts a creature back in the library. So if you if you draw your opening hand and it has like Zarda or Mirrorwing, which is like five mana, and you're like, I could polymorph into it for cheaper. Yeah. You put that onto the bottom of yes. the library. Right. But the other thing you can do is once you've gone, you're storming off and you've made like a bunch of really, really huge creatures with Zarda or Mirrorwing Dragon, you can actually fire prophecy one of your own creatures and make it Mirrorwing Dragon and you'll copy it for each other creature you control because it's a spell that's targeting only that creature. So you draw you will, a heap of cards. So you'll put a card on the bottom of your hand and draw a card however many times you want. That's kind of sick. Ten times. Effectively, doesn't they don't you're not drawing cards because you're going neutral on yeah, cards. Yeah, but you self-wheel in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, you, like, you sculpt your hand. Yeah, very much sculpting your hand. That's yeah. sick. It's so strange, but I love it. Um, what's this like in a game to play against, James? Krakoma. Look, I mean, the deck... I think, I'm not sure if it still exists, but on EDH Rec, if you look up this partner pairing... I checked before this episode. Is I, it I still... There's two decks. So, and one of them is mine. This is, <laughs> so this is one of two partner pairings of Krakenochroma. If you are the other person that has the Krakenochroma yeah. list... We'd like to interview you <laughs> and talk about your list. The deck is very different, and I know, because when you go on EDH rec, you, cards will only have that they are in either 100% of decks or 50% of decks. <laughs> so if I look at a card and it's not mine, and it says 50% of decks, I'm like, cool, that's in the other that's one. Whoever's got the other one is <laughs> running this. That's interesting. Yeah. You could probably make their list just by going through EDH rec. Just about, yeah. But I think that this deck, personally, it feels like an experiment. It feels like you were tinkering with this really wacky idea, which it is, like polymorphing in Boros to then go really wide in tokens, to then mad buff and like overrun effects with a commander as your overwhelming stampede type effect. It feels really... And we've talked about this a lot on the podcast where we should avoid cards. When we, we talk about it in the context of deck building, when we say this card is great if this, then this, mm. and also this. Only in this super narrow scenario is it good. Yeah, you're a huge hypocrite. This deck, <laughs> <laughs> this deck is that sentence. It it's is. like, if I cast Krak and if I manage to copy a big token thing, mm. I get a lot of tokens. And then if I manage to polymorph into <laughs> one of my Mirrorwing Dragons or Zarda, yeah. um, I can create uh, like a big board. And then if I manage to get enough instant spells that give keywords, then if I cast a Chroma, then yeah. I win the game. Well, how often do you win with this deck? It's so, so rare. And to be honest, that's that's what it's like to pilot, is yeah. it's just like, either I do actual nothing. Well, like, like I've actually watched just... just cast the same spell yeah. again and again. Krak returns it to my hand, returns it to my hand. It's so sad to watch sometimes. <laughs> it's like, what will we sat there flipping a coin... And just be like, flip, heads, it's tails. <laughs> Pass. <Yeah. laughs> I'm like, cool, you tapped all your mana and didn't do anything. Congratulations. I've adjusted the line of thinking that leads to me playing this deck. It used to be something like, ooh, maybe I'll pop off. And now it's like, ooh, 
I'd like to watch everyone else play magic. <laughs> I'd like to be a spectator. I'd for like this to deck. take a break from thinking. I'm That's just going to so play funny. this deck where I'll make a bunch of game actions and do nothing. Interesting. Um, I'm glad you feel the same as us watching it because we take a lot of pity on you when we watch yeah. you play this. I think I totally. I think I really like what you said, which is that it feels like an experiment to play against because this was a blast to build. As a deck, getting uh, this right, yeah. this was probably in my peak of obsessively deck building, of going like, how can I make this work? Like, swap these five cards out, put these five cards in, playtest on Moxfield, again and, and it's again like, and again. it's like, it's such a unique idea. Like, I don't, yeah. I have never seen anyone with a list like this. And that's, I, it feels really cool in that way, especially yeah. when it works and people are like, wow, good stuff. Like, yeah. that's, that's wild. But yeah, it, it's so inconsistent that I can't say that I truly enjoy playing it. Yeah, that's fair. Because, like, look, the 90, 99% of the time when the deck is working, it's usually because you have Feather on board mm. and you're using Feather as your target for these spells and you get them back to hand. And, like... We actually don't need to target Feather, which is a really good... So, yeah. Feather and Mirrorwing Dragon's a busted combo because you're going target, target Mirrorwing, Mirrorwing Dragon, Dragon exile, to your hand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's insane. I just think that, like... If you wanted to run a deck like this, where you're casting lots of instant spells to buff a creature, and you could run Mirrowing Dragon and Zada, you would probably want to run a Feather List more. Yeah. This is just an objectively worse partner pairing, making it weird and wacky. Mm. But I think that it's such a you build. Like, yeah. If you could build a Feather deck, but that's boring. You could just go on EDH Rec and there are hundreds and thousands of... De feather decks mm. there are two kraken chroma lists yeah and one of them is yours yeah and that's to be honest i did think about building feather and i was like no i want something weird instead yeah. and so i was glad i built it but Fair yeah enough. yeah um so the verdict uh similar to war this is a deck that cannot compete with any heavily optimized lists but always has the potential to go off in a single turn, which is sort of that contradiction like I spoke about. When it works, it works, and I have a blast counting mana until I reached lethal. Uh, <laughs> but the rest of the time, this deck does absolutely nothing. So, Krakroma is a D. Good. We're off to a flying start here. <laughs> Two Ds uh, already. I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, I might have done some forward thinking and, and gone from worst to best. I'll save here. the best. This is like eating the, you know, eating the veggies <laughs> and saving that, like, yeah, you know, potato mashed gra gravy. Yeah, exactly. Did right. I say potatoes and mashed gravy? Yes, did you I did. Yeah. Well, that's that. <laughs> this is the next deck. <laughs> you know what's even more embarrassing is that uh, I was just like, maybe that's an English thing. Maybe I just don't potatoes understand what it is. Mashed gravy. <laughs> I was like, oh man, all these stories James mm. tells about being back in England sound like a different, different world. I love bangers and mashed gravy with some mushy peas. <laughs> Mushy peas is actually a real thing. Mushy though. sausage and mashed gravy. Um, <laughs> and, some, and some banging potato. Banging potato? <laughs> See, that sounds good. I, Someone rocks up at a party and is like, hey, I brought the banging potato. And that, you're like, bring it on. Cool. I don't care Get what form. Fries. <laughs> Uh, curly fries, if it's in mashed form. <laughs> Waffle fries, I don't care. It'll bang ya. Um, Potato bake, bring it on. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, let's go to the next deck. The next deck is uh, my one and only CDH deck. It's right. Yashan Implacable Earth. Uh, so Yashan is a four mana, four four. So for two green white, you get a legendary creature, Elemental Boar. 
Often referred to as a hate ball. Hate ball, yeah, it's cute. Um, when you shine into the battlefield, search your library for a basic forest card and a basic plains card. Reveal those cards, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. That seems pretty bad. Oh, it's got more text on it. Players <laughs> can't pay life or sacrifice non-land permanents to cast spells or activate abilities. So this is basically what the whole deck is built around. This turns off fetch lands. It turns off treasure tokens it, and a bunch of other strategies that are seeing a lot of play in CDH. It silver bullets so many decks. Yeah. So many decks. Like, I mean, like... Like if you're on Crick, it's Silver Bullets Crick. Yeah, you just can't do it. Yeah, it's this deck is very, very oppressive. Mm. So Yashan is a CDH stacks deck that tries to prevent the table from storming off with a variety of hate bears, including the hate boar, but primarily the one in the command zone, while it smacks combo decks in the face until they die. So this is kind of like one of those quote, win conless stacks decks. It does have the Heliod and Walking Ballista infinite combo in there. Oh, uh, where you can put counters and like infinitely gain lifelink. Yeah, yeah. ping people till they die. But um, you'd so, so rarely win with that. Most of the time you're just trying to stacks people out until they can't do anything. And then you're literally just swinging for combat damage every turn mm. until the people die. So um, two of the key cards, we have Sarath, the Viper's Fang. Um, so this is a really important protection piece in the deck. So it's a four mana creature that says other tapped creatures you control have death touch and other untapped creatures you control have hexproof. You can also pay one and tap it to untap a target creature or land you control. You know, you're very rarely going to do that. It's mostly the giving stuff hexproof. I mean, you could respond with something being targeted and... It's true. To make it hexproof. That's pretty cool. You do also have Guy's Cradle in the deck, I've just realized. So you can actually untap Guy's Cradle with this. That would be pretty wild to do. Um... Another key card in the deck, like a lot of stacks lists in CDH, it's playing Elish Norn Grand Cenobite. Uh, this is the seven mana Praetor for, f- it's a four seven with vigilance. It says other creatures you control get plus two, plus two. Creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus two. Um, this is like a wrath in It kills CDH. pretty much everything in CDH. Yeah. The only thing it doesn't kill annoyingly is um, the Dranith Magistrate, the one three. Yeah. It doesn't kill a Dranith, which... Friggin' Dreadnought yeah. Magistrate. Would you run in this list? I don't know what you're talking about. It's right there. <laughs> I can see it. Yeah. It's a stacks deck. It's like the one place it belongs. It would be my argument. I agree. I agree. It's, it is very oppressive, this stacks list. It definitely is. Um, The weird pick is harder. I didn't build this deck, by the way. This is straight from the CDH database. I'll pick a card that's old. It's not that weird. Um, Root Maze is an enchantment for a green that says all artifacts and lands enter the battlefield tapped. Oh, all lands. Yeah. I don't think I've seen you cast this. I, it's also six bucks, which is not bad. No. So I, I played this in the um, CDH tournament that we hosted at the game store that we play mm-hmm. at. And um, I had a turn one root maze. And it was very funny because literally as we sat down, Ellie, who's our judge who we shout out all the time and also just a great magic player. Mm. Ellie was like, oh, cool. And like looked at my commander and was like, oh, so what kind of like, what kind of deck can I expect here? Probably like a turn one root maze kind of deck. She called she it? She called it. That's, and I literally yeah. cast a root maze and she was like, mm. Mm. <laughs> I predicted your opening hand. Yeah. Um, there was a, uh, what's it called? Turns. What's the infinite turns? Teddy over turns list. Oh, that's stupid. It's like all fetch lands yep. because you have to because they draw you cards. Yep. Um, and that player was very sad. I'm not sure. <laughs> root maze came down. <laughs> Making everything slow as hell. Well, like, um, the usual fetch land into, like, untapped jewel land, like a, mm. you know, um, tropical island or whatever, becomes tapped fetch land, untap, 
crack fetch land. Get tropical island. Tropical island. <laughs> Basically a guild gate at this point. Slower than a guild gate. Yeah. Tap land into tap land. Um, so what's this like to play against in a game, James? It's, I mean, look, I play CDH lists. My one and only CDH list that I have is my Niv-Mizzet Curiosity Control combo list. Mm. Now, it's control, but it wants to win as quickly as possible. The control pieces are in there to, like, protect it popping off super quick. Yeah. There is a bunch of fast manner acceleration. There's a bunch of, like, I mean, Dockside's in the deck, obviously. So yep. this deck, like, if you get your Sharn out, I am really struggling to to spin any kind of wheel, let alone <laughs> win. Um, yep. But, like, look, it's really interesting. I find that the Yashan list is really, really oppressive, even though it's not considered anymore the top-tier white-green stacks list. No, it's mostly um, the Dull Sim. I think it's got a, a an actual magic printing now, but it's the one... The, the original Street printing, Fighter Secret Lair. Yeah, yeah, the original printing is from Street Fighter, and that goes the other way in the command zone, where it's not a hate bear, it's your card draw. Because mm. actually card draw in a stacks list is really important, because mostly you're just emptying your hand of and stacks pieces. putting one ones two twos onto the battlefield yeah and you don't care about drawing cards because you're just trying to stack out the table but yeah you, that basically draws you cards when your creatures do combat damage to players with creatures with reach specifically i think no it? it has a, a line of text to untap creatures with reach oh, but i think so it just straight up says do a combat damage to a player draw a card that's insane i just think that like it's that is objectively better to run because you can draw so many more cards and mm. deploy so many more Hate well, bears. And you can have Yashan in the And I think Yashan does go in the 99 for sure. Yeah, probably. Probably. It turns off treasures and mm. like gets you two lands. It's not the, not bad. No. But I think that this list hits so hard because the mm. commander is so oppressive to pretty much every CDH list. Yeah. I think that it like the fact that you can't pay life and you can't sacrifice things is two of the most relevant keywords on a CDH commander because every CDH deck somehow gets treasures, mm. somehow pays life. Yeah. Like, I think it's so relevant. And I think even though it's like not the meta, I think that this deck is still really strong. And I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing this in another tournament setting. Mm. Well, it's not, it's not, um, the, it, I agree, it's not the top deck anymore. Like, it's not the best stacks mm. deck probably out there, but it's still in the database. So it's still considered, yeah. like, up there. For sure. Um, and it still has an updated primer and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. No, it's, still... it's still being updated yeah. as well, which is the really important thing. Once there's a list in the CDH database, when it stops getting updated, that's usually a sign it's about to fall off. Mm. Or, like, the two things are related. Um, in terms of piloting this myself, it's... I enjoy it. it. It's the only way I can see myself realistically wanting to play CDH. It's full-blown stacks. Just, well, just white-green creature stuff. I don't yeah, know. I, just, I find that so enjoyable. Um, the main thing is, I just don't play enough CDH to really appreciate the deck. Yeah. Um, I because well, this yeah. is there's a lot of cards in this list that are proxied. Yeah. Um, the which, whole the whole deck. The is whole deck is proxied, except for Yashan and um. Uh, what's the three mana flash it in when creatures search the play search their libraries they search the top four instead? Oh, Avon Mind Sensor. Avon Mind Sensor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's that those are the only real cards. That's in the funny. Deck. But look, like we're like if if you want to like if you go onto the Moxfield list and have a look at Walt's Yashan list, Walt does not own a what's the price on Moxfield? It's like four and a bit thousand, four thousand yeah. two hundred dollars. Walt does not own this. No. Um we're supporting proxies. Yeah. Um if you want to proxy a deck to have fun. That's fine. I'm sure you're supporting Magic the Gathering in other ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, this deck is actually not on my Moxfield because I felt 
it was disingenuous to put my name next to a deck I had no say That's in. That's fair. So if you would like the to look at the deck, I'd recommend going to the CDH database and looking up your Shan. It's the exact same. It's I, There's been a few updates recently that I haven't kept up with, so that's why mine aren't. They're not in my deck. Yeah. So yeah, if anything, that deck is better. We'll we'll link that list in the show yes. notes. Then. Yeah, we'll we do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So the verdict on this deck. Uh, this is a CDH list directly from the CDH database, and it plays like one. It's efficient, streamlined, and resilient, but without any creative input from me, it's not a deck that I get very excited to play. I also just don't get the urge to play CDH all that often, so this deck frequently gathers dust. Yashan is a D. Third D in a row. We're going yep. well. Uh... I suspect that'll be the last of the Ds, looking down at the list a bit here, because the next deck we have is my Estrid the Masked deck. This Which is we've a, spoken about a few times recently. Well, this is a recent build, for sure. Uh, this is a um, one... It's a Planeswalker that can be your commander. It has the line of text on it. For one, green, white, blue. So it's a Bant uh, color identity. It's a Planeswalker that enters with three loyalty. You can uptick two loyalty counters to untap each enchanted permanent you control. You can downtick by one to create a 1-1 one, one aura enchantment token named Mask attached to another target permanent. The token has enchant permanent and totem armor. That's the important bit. Uh, and you can remove seven loyalty counters to put the top seven cards of your library into your graveyard, return all non-aura enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield, then do the same for aura cards. That happens. It's it happened happens. a couple of times now. So Estrid is a streamlined Bant enchantments deck that tries to make a few creatures very, very large and simultaneously build an enormous prison around itself so that opponents have no way to stop the deck from going off. A um, couple of key cards. We have Dawn's Reflection. Uh, this is a four mana aura that enchants a land and it says whenever en the enchanted land is tapped for mana, its controller adds two mana in any combination of colors to their mana pool. Uh, so the, the tech with Estrid on this one is Estrid's uptick untaps each enchanted permanent you control, which includes your land. So I have basically every relevant one of these land auras well, in the deck. This is a great example of like choosing cards that synergize with your commander for deck mm. building. There are no mana dogs in this deck. Not nope. one. Nope. Because it's bad. It's yeah. like objectively bad to run them. Although actually, now I think about Unless it. Unless you enchant them and then well, they untap. I wonder if there are any enchantment creatures that are dorks. Because if there were, that would actually be pretty good because you would Worth untap. This. And oh, it gives you something to enchant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, could, you would untap the enchanted permanent. And it, so it would be. But I don't know. Worth the spiteful search. Yeah, but like, sure. this is a great example. Like this is an aura that goes on a land and yes. synergizes with your commander. This is yeah. good ramping. Oh yeah. A lot of the time I can cast Estrid and in that same turn end up like uptick Estrid and have as much mana as I had before I cast Estrid. Usually more. Yeah. Like because yeah, I've seen you cast Estrid and then deploy a board state. Yeah, after Estrid, yeah. same turn, 100%. Um, another key card in the deck, this is just a classic example of that prison thing I was talking about. Uh, solitary Confinement. For two and a white, you get an enchantment that says at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice soli Solitary Enchantment unless you discard a card. Skip your draw step. Seems pretty bad so far. Uh, you have Shroud. There's a good line. <laughs> and prevent all damage that would be dealt to you. So not those... even combat damage, no. not non-combat damage, Nothing. just damage. Yep. So the, the, the tech here is you have a bunch of Enchantress effects on the battlefield whenever you yeah. cast an enchantment, draw a card. So that skipping your draw step doesn't matter. Discarding a card in your upkeep doesn't matter. And then, yeah, you just straight up, it's so hard to die when yeah. it's on the battlefield. Yeah, this card has definitely protected your life total so many times. I really enjoy it. I think it's a lot better than people might um, give it credit for. 
Uh, the weird pick in this deck is just a classic example of how I like to do even really well-known um, archetypes like <laughs> auras and stuff. Heavenly Blademaster is an angel for five and a white. It's a three-six with flying and double strike. It says when it enters the battlefield, you may attach any number of auras and equipment you control to it. And other creatures you control get plus one plus one for each aura and equipment attached to Heavenly Blade Master. Oh my lord. So this is like my overrun Holy effect. Hell. In on the deck. one creature. Yeah. You just chuck like Damn. four auras on there. Creatures you control get plus four plus four. Seems pretty good. Um, what's Oof. this like to play against in a game, James? Well, I actually this is probably the one of the most recent decks I've played against you. We were in the game mm. store the other night and we played it. And out of nowhere, I got swung at with an unblockable 30-30, like just out of the blue. <laughs> to be fair, the Planeswalker was about to ultimate. Mm. It was on board. All of us saw it. I, however, was playing a deck that... W I think I was playing my Zaxara list. Mm. I was trying to get a board state to kind of protect myself and even get ready for my own overwhelming stampede, kill everyone kind of thing. Yep. I also had a Sphere of Safety on the battlefield, mm. so which is the only one of these kind of can't attack me unless you pay X sort of effects that cares about your planeswalkers. Yes, so attacking attack a planeswalker. Yeah, so attacking my planeswalkers, I think at the time would have cost an extra three mana. Which at the time, I think I only had like five, six mana. Yeah. And I think what I did is I cast a, maybe a Genesis wave and yeah. got something onto the battlefield. And then after it, I was like, oh, I could have swung at you. And I was like, oh, wait, no, that was before I cast this spell. Yeah. I didn't have anything on the battlefield then. Yeah. So, yeah, there was nothing I could do, I think. Um, maybe if we reround the footage and had a look, maybe there was a play. I had a blocker, and I think you actually didn't have many creatures without summoning sickness. No. To be honest, the, there was only one player who I thought fully misplayed, and it was a player who had, like, an 8-8 flyer. I think it was Razaketh or oh, one of those huge demons. Yeah. Um, and he had a fair bit of mana as well. So he, pro he probably should have paid. I think I asked him after the game and he was like, oh, I sort of thought I probably had it, the win on my next turn if I kept just like playing things from my hand, which right. is fair enough. But um, yeah, that, that let me win, I think. Yeah, well, ultimating that Planeswalker just wins so quickly. But I've seen you build a few different enchantment lists. This one's the most fun to play against. Mm. I found your original Bant enchantment deck was Tavasa. <laughs> yeah, um, which and, is very Voltron. And it kills people so quickly. Yeah. Like, it is not hard to get Tavasa up to 21 commander damage mm. super quick. Um, Sisse was very oppressive and always found the perfect card every time because it's a tutor in mm. the command zone. We talked about the, the tutor in the command zone effect of how it limits your deck building by yeah. making you just have every card in your deck is kind of in your hand. Yeah. And also like, yeah, it was very much more prison effects that weren't like play aroundable if that's a... Adjective. <laughs> that's um, fair. No, there's a couple of like can't cast more than one spell a turn sort of. Yeah, and like yeah. can't creatures can't come back from the graveyard or something like yeah. that. But this deck is very much like I'm just pillow fording myself. If you want to mm. do your own thing, you can. You just can't do it at me. Yeah, that they're the stacks effects that are in this list, and I actually think that that's like a much softer stacks. Mm. But yeah, this deck is fun to play against. It's cool. it's very interactive. It does a big thing and it's still like, you know, you ultimated that Planeswalker and that game went on for like another 40 minutes mm. because like I died. I sat there and watched the rest of the game, but it was like another 40 minutes after ultimating a Planeswalker. Yeah. So it's not like ultimate I win. No. It's, you know, there's still ways to play into it. Yeah, definitely. Um, In terms of me piloting it, it's 
I will say it's a deck that feels like it just plays the best cards in your hand. Mm -hmm. There's not really many decision trees. There's not really p top uh, points where you kind of go like, oh, I can either go down this route or this route. It's kind of more like, oh, I have an enchantress. I should play that first. Okay, I've got these two enchantments. I'll play those two. Okay, draw pass two the cards. Turn. Yeah. yeah. It's very like it, the, the cards sort of play themselves and it's almost exclusively at sorcery speed. The best part of that game when we played it was actually when I resolved and flipped the new Heliod that gives your spells flash and makes them cheaper for every card that your opponents have drawn this turn which yeah. is sick so it's really really cool card um, that was that that was when I started having a blast in that game because I was like oh I can have answers yeah. and they can be enchantments because um, yeah the rest of the time it's kind of like just play it at your hand it's not saying it's terrible it's just not a deck that fills you with excitement of going like oh my god what am I going to do next like some of the other ones I'll talk about a bit I later. feel like this deck would be great to give a beginner like and that's say, here's, here's a deck that you can play that I've built that's not a pre-con. It's powerful, but it's very, like, you'll read it and you'll go, yeah, I get how this deck works. Yeah, that's probably true. I think probably the, the only unintuitive thing about that is the, like, choosing the right ability with the Planeswalker can be a tough decision sometimes. Mm. But yeah, I think otherwise it is pretty straightforward. I think 90% of the time, though, you're going to want to untap all your enchanted permanents because mm. that's going to give you, like, it's like a ramp spell. Yeah. Um, and then you cast more enchantments that protect you more mm. to draw you more cards with enchantress effects. Yeah. I feel like even if you just say, if you don't want to really protect one thing with the mask, with the aura... Just always uptick. Just always uptick. Yeah. Untap your enchanted lands. That's true. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to pass off to a new player. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, the verdict. Estrid is very by the numbers. There aren't many cards in here that you wouldn't expect to see in an enchantments list, and that feels a little bit stale to me. The deck has one strategy, and it plays it well, which has its appeal next to the previous couple of decks with their wild inconsistency. <laughs> um, but I may need to find a niche strategy to lean into to really make this deck feel creative. Until then, it's a fun deck, but not a blast. And for that reason, it's a C. Moving up the ladder now. Yes, we're yeah. out of that D tier. We're up into the decks that are just okay. Just fine. Yeah. Like them. We enjoy them. We enjoy them. They're not bad. Uh... Next one on the list, Averna, the Chaos Bloom. This is a 4-2 uh, Elemental Shaman for green, blue, red. So the color identity here is Teema. As you cascade, you may put a land card from among the exiled cards onto the battlefield. Tapped. The reminder text here says, do this after the last card is exiled, but before deciding whether to cast a non-land card. So this has a land enter the battlefield in between the stack. It's so strange. I've had to ask so many judge calls as to how I resolve like landfall abilities. I've got, I'm always like, where do the landfall abilities well, go like, where... on the stack? <laughs> Where do they go in the stack? Because I'm assuming when the land enters, they trigger and go above... They do. The, yeah, okay. So cool. the, the thing I had to learn is that, like, things... Things... On... Anyway, no, that might be wrong. I Shout out to our last episode about confusing rules. I need to sit down with a judge and just be like, okay, walk me through exactly where the triggers go. Because if I can visualize it on the stack, I think it'll yeah. be fine. Um, but yeah, Averna is a strong cascade slash landfall deck that tries to get every single land in the library onto the battlefield and win with powerful creatures and overrun effects. A um, couple of key cards, Emoti, Celebrant of Bounty, is kind of the secret commander of the deck. This is the way that I cascade most of the time. Um, it's a 5-mana 3-1 Naga Druid with Cascade, and it spells says, Spells you cast with mana value 6 or greater have Cascade. Mm. So this deck is full of big, fat creatures. 
so that Emoti can cascade with them. Uh, it actually has a, probably a pretty, one of the higher tutor counts in all of my decks because I need to find Emoti yep. so that the rest of the deck kind of works. Makes sense. Um, another one of the key cards. It's so good in every Cascade deck. I'm mostly just bragging about the fact that I actually justified the amount of money to buy it. <laughs> it's Apex Devastator. You actually bought this? I did off Nick. Nick wow. had a copy and I was like, I need to get one. Um, for eight green green, it's a 10, 10 with Cascade, 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 Cascade. And all that, yeah, that happened. <laughs> that it's not just like you cast this and you Cascade before it hits the battlefield four times. It's so silly. It's insanity. It's... What I'm really curious about this mm -hmm. deck, when you're talking about the mana curve, because that Apex Devastator is 10 mana. Mm -hmm. The mana curve of this deck... It's very high. ...is just astronomical. I'm looking at the graph now. Yeah. Like, six and five drops are about as high as four drops. Yeah, there's actually more five drops than four drops looking at it that's here. That's crazy. Um, the average mana value of this deck is 4.26, by the way. So Chunky. that should tell you just how high of a curve it is. But you're ramping, so it makes sense. Um, the weird pick of this deck actually kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with Emoti. Um, but also has some other upside. It's Momia Vig Simic Visionary. This is a 5 mana 2-2 creature that says whenever you cast a green creature spell, you can search your library for a green, uh, creature card and reveal it. If you do, shuffle your library, then put that card on top. And whenever you cast a blue creature spell, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, put that card into your hand. Wow. So the tech here is that um, early game, you're just tutoring Emoti yep. every time. You just, just get Emoti, put it on top of your library, draw it. Mm -hmm. And then in the late game... When you're casting green creature spells and stuff, if they have Cascade, I believe, I may be mistaken here, but I believe you can stack the triggers so that above the Cascade trigger, you put the Momia Vig trigger oh. to tutor a creature card to the top of your library, and then you can Cascade into it from the Cascade wow. trigger. Assuming that the, the, the spell you're casting is a creature, but it's a high high chance in a deck like this. Yeah, that's really sick. Uh, Mogmir is... um. A cast trigger, so I think that would work. I think so, because Cascade is also a cast trigger. Yeah. So I think you can just stack them because you control both triggers. But We'll um, check with the judge after this. I yeah. Think. I'd love to say how amazing this card has been. Sadly, it's just one of those... You know in every deck you have that card you just never see? Mm. So Mummy Vig, I've yet to resolve onto a battlefield. <laughs> I don't know why, you just never see it. doesn't happen. Well, look, to play against this deck, it's really interesting because on record, both of us have said that Cascade is a mechanic that we hate playing against. Yep. Um, For good reason <laughs> i actually don't mind playing against this list as much because most right. cascade lists because you're running a verna which is actually like the land thing you've got a lot of landfall in your deck like a you've lot. got you know rampaging bailoths you've got like a lot of those thunder th yeah you've got ways to create you know tokens or like you know get value from lands hitting the battlefield mm -hmm. so your focus is really getting lands mm. not casting and cascading a billion spells yeah most cascade lists do that so usually when you play against cascade you watch someone play solitaire for 20 minutes mm. usually you cascade and it resolves pretty quickly yeah you're not usually cascading into something else that has cascade or something like that mm. unless you're really winning the game yeah and i also like the fact that this deck has like a really key win con with the landfall stuff with making count like mm. making putting plus on counters on stuff making big three three beasts with trample whatever it's it's got a win con it gets to where it wants to be mm. this is a cascade list that i'm never like oh god i'm gonna watch someone play magic for 20 minutes i'm actually really really relieved to hear that because i i set out to build a deck like yeah. that i really was like what do i not like about cascade okay 
let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't include cards like um, what's the six mana enchantment that kind of cascades? Doesn't say Sunbird's cascades. invocation. Yeah, I don't yeah. play Sunbird's invocation because I think that card is silly and takes way too long to resolve. Do you play Wild Magic Sorcerer? You do. I do. Yeah, um, that's pretty good. Yeah. So that means you cascade. Like what that says is the first spell you cast from exile has cascade. Yes. So that limits it to the first spell as mm, well. So yeah. it it only triggers when you cascade and you exile a spell from your library to cast. That also has cascade. Yeah. But then it stops. It yes. doesn't just keep going and going and going. It's just that single time that yeah. does it. Yeah. Um in terms of piloting this deck for me, the deck just has good cards in it. And there's something fun about that. Like, it mm. just feels like playing out, like, a really busted number of amazing cards, which is cool. Well, I mean, you splashed a bit of cash on the Apex Devastator, so. Yeah. It's, like, I splashed it a little bit in a few different parts of this deck, and I also just owned a bunch of cards that were already good in it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah. Commander Legends had a lot of these cards. Oh, and yeah. We drafted a lot of Commander Legends. Yes. So. Um, but yeah, like when a deck just has good cards in it, I don't tend to get that excited about the creativity of playing it. That's fair. It's almost a bit similar to the last deck actually, where like it, good cards are so good that they kind of feel like they play themselves a lot of the time. I feel like we've done an episode on this. Yeah. Good <laughs> cards are holding you back. Go back and listen to it. Um, but yes, that's, that's sort of my main drawback yeah. to this deck is it, it does just feel not that creative. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so the verdict, Averna is a powerful deck that gets to do some weird things, but mostly it's playing the landfall cards you've seen everywhere else, and it doesn't get me super excited. When it comes out, it's fun, but it rarely wins the battle to come out of the blocks when it's put next to the other decks in my collection. So Averna is a C. Alright, fair enough. Yep. I'll, uh, yeah, I you really enjoy it? it, but I respect your decision. Okay, I respect okay, that. cool, cool, cool. Um, next deck on my list. This is an oldie. This is the second commander deck I ever built. Mm, this uh, is a lockdown creation. Yeah, yeah, it's a very, it's it's very different to how it used to be. So we'll go into that in a sec, but um, it's not a typical version of this list. It's Meron of Clan Nel Toth. So it's a 3-4 for two black green uh, that says whenever another creature you control dies, you get an experience counter. At the beginning of your end step, choose target creature card in your graveyard. If that card's mana value is less than or equal to the number of experience counters you have, return it to the battlefield. Otherwise, put it into your hand. So just to lay that out a bit more, if I've if creatures I control have died twice since Meron's come out, I've got mm -hmm. two experience counters. I move to my end step. I can choose a creature card in my graveyard. If it's a two drop or a one drop, straight back to the battlefield. Otherwise, it goes to my hand. Always in the end step you get something, but it depends how many experience counters you have as to whether it goes to battlefield or to hand. It's one of the most played commanders of all time. It's, it's really good. It's really, really good for just doing the things that a lot of people like to play. So, uh, my Marin list is a secret commander Gerard Golgari Lichlord deck. I'll read that card out in a sec. That tries to make a few huge creatures, then sacrifice them to train my opponents. So we'll go straight into G Gerard, so you can get an idea of what I'm talking about. So Gerard Golgari Lichlord... For black, black, green, green, you get a 2-2 two, two that gets plus one, plus one for each creature card in your graveyard. And it says, pay one black, green, sacrifice another creature. Each opponent loses life equal to the sacrificed creature's power. There's more text on that, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> you, yes, basically you get Gerard out, you make something really, really big, you make something 10 power, 11 power, you pay one black, green, you sack that creature, each opponent loses 
10 or loses 11. Yeah. And as a secret commander, I'm actually going to shout out the last line of text on this card okay. where you can sacrifice a swamp and a forest and return Gerard from your graveyard to your hand, mm. which in a secret commander list is pretty good. If someone gets rid of Marin permanently with an Oubliad or something like that's that, true. you can get Gerard back on it, himself, which is good. That's true. That's true. I don't think I've, you've ever needed it. But I've never needed it. It's pretty good to have it there in case. It, it's true. Um, The other key card I'm going to shout out here, though, is when I talk about recently which was a way of making sure i can win if gerard's not there <laughs> uh it's important to keep that in mind um giant ankeg i've yet to see anyone else play this creature it's an eight mana eight eight with trample and ward two that says other creatures you control have trample and ward two giving everything ward two is so strong it's like ward reads as people you sort of think to yourself like oh no one's ever going to do that you'll be amazed how much of the time people forget to set aside that amount of mana yep. or have that amount of mana up like they've got a two mana instant speed ready to respond on your end step before their turn or whatever and then they go oh crap now that the ward's there can't do it anymore yeah it's super relevant. Um, the weird pick in this deck is just a classic example of the kind of deck that this deck, kind of card that this deck loves that no other deck likes very much. <laughs> uh, Damagoth Titan for hybrid black green, hybrid black green, hybrid black green, hybrid black green. Four Bless ma- you. Four mana, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you get a 11-10 demon that says whenever Damagoth Titan attacks or blocks, sacrifice a creature. So it's pretty bad. You don't want to be attacking or blocking with it, obviously. But a 4-mana 11-10 that you can sack to Gerard, that's pretty sweet. That feels amazing. Um, What's this deck like to play against, James? I actually really like watching this deck. I feel it's... it's Firstly, it's unique for Marin, because most Marin decks are like birthing pod spore fraud loot yeah. decks or something and like that my earliest version of the deck was like that as yeah well, as you'd remember yeah it had a lot of the fleshbag marauder etbs everyone yep. sacrifices a creature which just yep. wasn't fun to play against mm. this is fun now because it's like you know unique in that its power matters so you freak out when you see you know demigoth titan hit the battlefield because you're mm. like does he have gerard and three extra mana because yeah. that's gonna like drain us for 11 yeah um there's also a lot of choice in this deck at the mm. beginning of every end step you take like a good 60 seconds like a full minute and you go what is my best choice here what do Mm. i really want back so i think i like seeing you play this because as your friend i like seeing you enjoy your deck and kind of be able to stretch your magic muscles a bit Mm. yeah well that's exactly what i love about the mirror deck actually it's funnily enough is exactly that it's the looking at my hand and looking at my graveyard, which is basically my hand as well, yeah. and going like, man, I have to like really think about the sequence I want to do things in. But it's not like you look at that and go like, there's an objective right choice here. You have choices. Yeah. And there's actually like totally valid reasons to go down the different paths you might choose. And that's like a blast yeah. to play a deck like that. Once you're experienced at Magic, I will say, when you're new, it's probably better to play decks that kind of play themselves. But when you've been playing for a long time, these are the kind of decks you gravitate towards, I think. Are, are you the same? For sure. 100%. I've piloted your Marin deck a couple of times mm. and I, I really enjoy it. Because like you could have one board state for Marin and two board states like you know you could have three opponents and their board state is one way and you can have a decision tree for that Mm. but then you can have three different opponents with the exact same Marin board state and your decision tree is completely different you're like I now need to go down this route Mm. um I also the one tiny little criticism of this deck and it's mainly a criticism of you not the deck (laughs) just go to combat sometimes (laughs) like (laughs) 
you're so focused on the uh, graveyard and bringing stuff back, you forget that you have a friggin' 11 11 that uh, you can just freely swing. I think you're referring to a specific spell table game. Yes. Yes. You I spent was, like 15 minutes not realizing you had lethal on board. So, for reference, someone had exiled Gerard, so I couldn't win with Gerard. This is before I had the giant Ankeg and yeah. decks in the deck, so I couldn't win that way. So, I was like, how the hell am I gonna win? So, I had Sir Conrad out, so I was like, okay, this is my win card. I'm just gonna mill a bunch until we hit enough creatures to, to deal enough damage yeah. to win. Um, yeah, I was sitting there in the tank for a good 10 minutes. It was a spell table game and there were spectators. There were probably about eight of us in the call. I reckon it was more. I reckon we had like probably about six or seven spectators. Yeah, it was a it was a big yeah. crowd. I spent all this time looking at it and then I was like, oh, go to combat, <laughs> attack you for five. Now you lose. <laughs> Far out. Well, um, just go to combat. I know. I forget. So the verdict with this deck is uh, we're starting to get into decks I quite like now. This deck represents so many interesting decision trees and for that reason I find myself reaching for it when I feel like a challenging game. This revamped version of my old list is fresh and interesting and not something I see other commander players doing very much. Marin is a good time, just not my favourite, so she's a B. Fair, fair, fair call. Okay. Marin's, Marin's sick. I love Marin. I, yeah, it's tough to putting decks in tears. I it's like, like picking your favorite child. This must be challenging for you. I like all my decks. I want to like, I should have started with that. So yeah. like even the ones I put in D, I still like those decks yep. and they might stick around for a while longer. Yeah, you can't choose a favorite child. No, it's impossible. Um, my next deck is my Sir Gwyn Hero of Ashvale deck. Mm. So Sir Gwyn is a 5-5 with Vigilance and Menace for 3 red, white, black. So that's Mardu. Whenever an equipped creature you control attacks, you draw a card and you lose a life. And equipment you control have Equip Knight 0. So in other words, if you have a knight and you have Sir Gwyn, equipment you control, equip 2 knights for 0. Mm. Still sorcery speed, but for 0. So, um, so Gwyn is a Knights and Equipment deck with a Knights Vorthos theme. So every card in this deck should look like it is a Knight, look like something a Knight would use, a place a Knight would go, or a concept a Knight would be familiar with. Um, it's a very restrictive deck, deck building <laughs> challenge in that way, but it's really, really fun. Um, it wins by making a few Knights very, very big and swinging for lethal combat damage. So a couple of the key cards, we have Armored Sky Hunter. This is a four mana three three with flying. It is a knight. It's a cat knight. Cat knight, it's true. Uh, it says whenever it attacks, look at the top six cards of your library. You may put an aura or equipment card from among them onto the battlefield. If an equipment is put onto the battlefield this way, you may attach it to a creature you control. Put the rest of those cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. So uh, yes, it's getting an equipment off the top of your library every single turn that it attacks, and it's equipping it directly to something. It's really, mm, really cool. Strong. Uh, on attack as well. It's great. Um, the other card I want to shout out is a card that I didn't realize how it worked in this deck, and now that I know, I think it's sick. Bloodthirsty Blade. This is a two-mana equipment that says equipped creature gets plus two plus O and is goaded, and you can pay one generic mana to attach... Bloodthirsty Blade to target creature and opponent controls. Activate this only ability only anytime you get cast a sorcery. So this doesn't have a line of text on it that says equip to a creature you control. But when you have a have Sir Gwyn on the battlefield, oh, it gives it, the equipment equipped for the zero equipment to equipped zero knight. So what this this shakes out as that's so cool is you can chuck this on any one of your knights for zero. Anytime you like on your turn, obviously. And it gives it plus two, plus, gives plus two, plus two. It is goaded, but who cares? Like, You're going to swing attack. with it anyway. You're going to swing. And then in your second main phase, you just pay a generic mana and put it on something else and goad it. <laughs> ah, that's 
That's amazing. So cool. I love that. Such a cool card. Um, the weird pick in this deck is Stand or Fall. Um, this is a Thrifty Thursdays card. Classic. Uh, it's three, a weird card. It is a weird card. For three in a red, you get an enchantment that says... at the. Be- I'm going to pull up the Oracle text real quick. <laughs> uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, for each defending player, separate all creatures that player controls into two piles and that player chooses one. Only creatures in the chosen piles can block this turn. So it effectively says half your creatures can't block. The definition of divide and conquer. Yep, straight up. Um, what's this deck like to play against, James? Finally, a Seguin deck that just doesn't have really powerful swords. <laughs> I like this deck comes to like a total of like $190, something like that. Mm. And the reason it comes to such a low price is because you're not a typical Seguin player being like, sort of feast and famine, sort of light and shadow, nah. sort of body and mind, all these swords, all the swords that just do a ton of stuff. Also, usually Seguin decks are Voltron. Yes. Usually Seguin is a commander, immediately screams, if you put everything on me, 21 damage, um, a guy is dead. Mm. Like, you you swing me a one dude, they're gone. Yeah. Like, this, because it has 25 creatures in it, mm. this incentivizes you to go wide. And you're yeah. utilizing that line of text on Seguin, which is probably how the card designer intended it to be played, yeah. which is having a lot of knights and Seguins, like, leading them into battle and rewarding you for having an army. Well, it says whenever an equipped creature you control attacks, draw a card and lose a life. It doesn't mm. say, like, for each equipment attached to it. So, no. if you have just Seguin and you attack with Seguin... You lose a life, draw one card. But if you have five knights that are equipped, draw five, lose five. That's, That's way better. That's insanely good. I think people are building this deck wrong straight up but i yeah. would agree after seeing you build this deck in the way that you've built it and finally finding the balance of like you know 25 creatures is enough of a critical mass to mm. equip enough things to get value from them i know you tinkered with that for a long time i did have to um i really enjoy this deck i actually cool. think that it's like yeah how the, how the card designer i imagine intended it to be played cool I appreciate that, because that's my yeah. goal when I built the deck, because nice. I was like, people are doing this wrong, I want to do it right. <laughs> um, for me, piloting this deck, it's the ultimate flavor experience. Everything mm. in this deck, you're like, it's a knight. Even, like, the removal spells, there's that that um, removal spell that's not very good, and you shouldn't play it. Mortify, but it's got a knight in the art. <sighs> um, I, I had to, like, track down a particular copy of Disenchant that has, like, a knight's chainmail gauntlet reaching for a sword. Yes, I have seen that. There's it's a like, white-bordered one as well, isn't it? It is yeah. a white-bordered one super old one which is always what I want to play anyway but yeah like it's so it was so fun like picking out the specific cards and like tweaking it like being like oh man these three cards don't quite fit I'm going to put three more swords in there yeah. or hammers or lances yeah it's really cool it's really cool it's very flavorful it's, it definitely is so the verdict is so Gwyn is a deck that you can't get mad about it's extremely flavorful interesting to pilot and fairly resilient too it is a pretty slow deck though which has its benefits but it tends to be too powerful to play against pre-cons and too slow to play against much else. I like Seguin a lot, but she's rarely my first choice, so she's a B. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's a good deck. I like it a lot. And, like, the flavour is so good. Like, Yeah, I mean, like, you run a copy of Greed, which is an incredible enchantment draw spell, but it, like, the guy on the card looks like he's got knight armor on him, mm. lying on treasure, and it kind of, I like the Vorthos idea of this knight is just, like, obsessed with drawing cards, so he doesn't go out to the battlefield, so he's reclined in this enchantment. That is so lovely of you to say. I'm so sorry to tell you that Greed is not in the deck anymore. No! <laughs> I used to love that card. I actually put Greed, uh, that version of Greed in 
my Liesa deck because mm. I loved the art so much. It's cool. If you look at the greed that's in my Liesa know, deck, it's the I, same card. I think I remember seeing yeah. it. Yeah, super cool. Um, My next deck, this one's near and dear to my heart. I know a lot of people associate this deck with me. I've you did play it a it. lot. Yes. When the Round Commander Legends, this was your deck that you always reached for. For sure. So the one we're talking about is Around Me of the Dead Tide. So for one blue-black, you'll get a 1-4 Merfolk Wizard that says, tap it. Exile cards from your graveyard equals the number of opponents you have. Target creature card in your graveyard gains Encore until end of turn. The Encore cost is equal to its mana cost. So Encore, for those who don't know, you pay an activation ability on the card. It um, exiles that card from your graveyard, but you make a token copy of that card for each of your opponents, and they gain haste. They have to attack this turn if able, and in the end step, you sacrifice them. Um... So yeah, basically it scales with the game and Arami is really good because it also scales with the game because you have to exile cards from your graveyard equal to the number of opponents you have. So 90% of the time you're exiling three. Yep. When you get to the last two opponents, you're exiling two. Yes. When it's one on one, just one. So the cost goes down, but also your benefit goes down, right? Because if you're mm. encoring something and you've only got one opponent, it's just like casting it from your graveyard. Well, you're this, not getting multiple copies of it. You would much prefer to take out everyone in one go with this deck than leaving one opponent. Definitely. So Arami is a streamlined encore deck that tries to reanimate creatures with splashy enter the battlefield or dies triggers to win with either combat damage or a big drain effect. Uh, in terms of those big drain effects, one of the key cards, and I've spoken about this a lot as being just straight up a win con in the deck. I warn people about it before the game. It's that strong. Grey Merchant of Asphodel. This is the three black black two four zombie that says, when it enters the battlefield, each opponent loses X life, where X is your devotion to black. You gain life equal to the life lost this way. Yeah, when there's three of these entering the battlefield at once. It's a minimum of 21 life lost by each of your opponents, and you gain 63, assuming there's three opponents in the game. Yeah, and you have obviously Arami and those three Garys, no other black devotion. Yep, so every single black pip you add is an additional three life lost yeah. for each of your opponents, an additional nine life gained for you. Yeah, it's kind of insane. I'm really happy that you shout, like quite loudly say, Gary is in the graveyard now. <laughs> if you mill it, if you discard it to the yeah. graveyard. Because it, it's like, you could be a really sneaky player and just like not say anything and then on your next turn totally. just win. But I very much value your like win con here. Yeah. It's going to happen. I think like the first game I played with it when I encored Gary and just won, I just saw people's expressions on their faces and I was like, I don't want people to ever be surprised by this again. That's fair. Doesn't feel fair. Um, another key card in the deck, this is my lovely Thrifty Thursdays um, Sir Conrad knockoff. Don't worry, Sir Conrad is in the deck as well. Um, <laughs> Dreadhound. For four black black, you get a 6-6 six, six demon dog that says, when it enters the battlefield, mill three cards. And whenever a creature dies or a creature card is put into a graveyard from a library, each opponent loses one life. It's not quite Sir Conrad levels of busted. It does a pretty good impression of him, though. It does. Importantly, not legendary. So if you encore this, it mills nine cards and every single creature card that hits the bin that turn deals three to each of your opponents because they all see it. Wow. It's that's sick. Brutal. It's super cool. Yeah, that's pretty That's pretty cool, actually. I was thinking like, oh, you'd want this, like, you'd want to cast this and have it on the battlefield to stay around because it's not good if you encore it. Actually, no, it's incredible when you encore it because <laughs> it has the, the mill stapled to it. That's I incredible. I think as well, it would also see, each of them would see all of the other ones die. So I think even when they die, they would all deal three. Would they deal three? No, they deal nine. Would they? Hold on. Each of them would see three creatures die. It would deal nine in the end step. 
when you sack them. That's pretty sick. Well, damn. I don't play this card enough, evidently. Dreadhound, bad dog. <laughs> um, the weird card in this deck is uh, a card that I feel like you shout out really often. I love this card so, so strange. much. It's Twiddle. I love Twiddle. <laughs> <laughs> For a single blue, you get an instant that says tap or untap target artifact creature or land. You never do any of that stuff except just untapping around me. Well... I need this in my uh, Tornos deck so I can untap Tornos. Oh. But I couldn't find a copy anywhere. So I'm making a public on-podcast <laughs> statement. If you have a twiddle for trade, which I highly doubt you will, uh, please uh, email getcommanded at gmail.com. It's 35 cents, so really the the, the, the truly p- uh, difficult task will be finding a card for someone to exchange with you that yeah. you have that they want that is also 35 cents. I'll give you a $5 card for twiddle. It's worth five bucks to me. Like, <laughs> um, What's this like to play against, James? Look, similar to Marin, um, this deck... I, similar to Marin because it's Graveyard, but also similar to Marin because of the choices that you have. Mm. Um, when you go to your, like, you know, you go, you do your first main phase thing, you play a land, you, you know, cast a rock or something like that, and then you go, right, I've got a Rami, got a Graveyard full of stuff... What do I want to do? Mm. And like you, because like you could draw a bunch of cards with like a mole drifter, yeah. or you could like remove something. You could make everyone sacrifice a bunch of stuff. Mm. There's lots of choice in this deck. I also like that it can end the game pretty efficiently. Mm. I'm a big fan of ending the game on a turn. Like games that tend to drag out and out and out, and it's like it feels like one of those limited games where everyone's just got a huge board state but and no, one, no one can attack, and it yeah. just feels like a stalemate. I really like that this deck can do that. I also mm. think there are some like really, really cool shout outs in this deck that like are generically like pretty decent cards and see commander play, but in this deck are just so good. Mm. Runescard Demon is a bit of a shout out yeah. in this deck. Triple Demonic Tutor. That casually. feels incredible. Like yeah. Triple Demonic Tutor for Demonic Tutor's rate. Yeah. Because like... Yeah, you're paying seven... Yeah, you're paying one more than if you just, oh, just yeah. Demonic Tutor three times, but it's one card. Yes, that seems incredible. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, yeah, I love Pilot in this deck. It's extremely consistent because it's just got, like, one game plan. It's just, like, mill myself, reanimate stuff. Mm. Mill myself, reanimate stuff. And some of the stuff you reanimate mills you. It just, like, all goes full circle. It's very easy to know how you're going to win, but you still have choices. Mm. Um, I pull this deck out a lot, definitely. You do. And it's definitely one of those decks that sits at a really nice power level as well. You Mm. can pull this because it's got that, you know, if I reanimate Gary with a big enough board state, I can just win Mm. kind of power level of winning on a turn yeah but it also sits at lower power levels because people can interact with that interaction easily enough yeah you can remove arami stop the reanimation from happening mm. even playing bajuka bug just sets you back a million miles it does and arami <laughs> has to tap as well so mm. unless i get have give her haste and there's only a couple of ways to do that in the deck you ha- you have to like have her sit on the battlefield usually a full turn cycle before you're going to do anything. People so, yeah, see it coming. People definitely see it coming. So the verdict: How enjoyable is it to pilot? Uh, Arami always does the thing, and I find myself very drawn towards playing her when I feel like a game where I get to make lots of game actions. <laughs> uh, it has robust, varied win cons, and it knows how to get there, and that's really satisfying to pilot. The only drawback is that the deck only really does that one thing, and sometimes I'm looking for a little more from my commander games. Arami is a B. Bravo, Arami. Mm, that's deck. about half of my deck. So Ooh. I think it's time for a thrifty interlude. So we have eight more decks to cover. But before that, let's hear a little something about a thrifty card. Mm. So as a tradition, I'll be performing a monologue. This week, the card is brought to life as a dramatic monologue from the perspective of someone in the card. 
Uh, would you like to read the epi- the card we'll be featuring this episode? Sure would. It's Silver Blade Paladin for one white and a white. You get a creature human knight that's a 2-2. It has Soul Bond. Now, Soul Bond is a keyword ability that says you may pay this creature, you may pair this creature with another unpaired creature when either enters the battlefield. They remain paired for as long as you control both of them. And then it says as long as Silver Blade Paladin is paired with another creature, both creatures have double strike. Things we've done together, my friend. Do you remember the battle for the 10th district? In perfect unison we were, a blazing force of pure goodness that evil simply could not withstand. Or the skirmish neath the world tree, when you impaled that sickening monstrosity, stopping their forces in their tracks. From the automatons of Mishra to the forest beasts of Eldraine and the eternal starfields of Nyx, the list goes on, my friend. Always by my side, never wavering, never tempering in the face of adversity, fear, or hate. It's me and you against the world. Confound them all. I haven't a care for what your parents will say. Kiss me now, sword! Get budgeted! Uh, the love for one sword uh, really goes beyond all manner of relationship. We've all been there. Have we? <laughs> uh, um, I have not. I also have not. Um, except when I imagine that I have when I write these things. Speaking of, um, you can catch these every Thursday on Discord, our Discord channel. It's linked in the show notes in the Thrifty Thursdays channel. Uh, and you can also see us bring some of these to life in video form over on TikTok at Get Commanded. So follow us on there to see those as they come out. Yeah, it's actually getting really exciting over there. There are highlights of our podcast there now. There are, now that we're recording this, yes. Which is really exciting there. there are, so there are highlights, thankfully edited um, by one of our good friends, um, Starlight Seller, and the animation uh, drawings done by Dustbin Raccoon, mm-hmm. who has done all the amazing art for Get Commanded thus far. Yep. So amazing work to both of them. And yeah, definitely now is the time to subscribe to mm. that channel because there will be more stuff happening it'll only get better from here yeah for sure um now back to my decks we're moving into the a and s tiers the now. good ones the really good ones. okay I this mean, is the part of the episode b- you want to listen to yeah even some of those b's i was like you know you heard me say like i was like i like them but this yeah. kind of a thing a and s are gonna have like a lot a lot less of that but sure of it it's mostly just i love these decks let's dive in who's up first so first on the list is reese the redeemed so reese is a one mana uh, elf warrior for a hybrid green white you can pay two hybrid green white and tap him to create a one one green and white elf warrior creature token or you can pay four hybrid green white hybrid green white and tap him Six mana there. Uh, and you for each creature token you control, create a token that's a copy of that creature. So basically just doubles all the tokens that you currently have. Mm-hmm. Um, Reese is a fairly optimized classic Selesnia tokens list, but with a flicker sub-theme. So I play loads of creatures that enter the battlefield and create tokens. And then I flicker those creatures, exile them, and return them to the battlefield for value. And use Reese to double all of my tokens and cast a big overrun effect for the win. Uh, a couple of key cards. 
we have Armada Worms. This is a classic example of one of those cards that enters the battlefield and makes a token. This one's really good to copy. Uh, two green, green, white, white. It's a 5-5 Worm with Trample. And when it enters the battlefield, you create a 5-5 green Worm creature token with Trample. Um, great. Strong. Yeah. Populating this is good. And also flickering it. It's really Yes, good. that's true. Um, another key card. This is a classic one of those um, flicker spells. This one flickers your whole board. Lazel's Acrobatics. This is from Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. For three and a white, you get an instant that exiles all non-token creatures you control. Then roll a d20. Um, basically, it has a lot of text on it. If you roll a one to, to nine, you just re you um, return this creature to the battlefield in your next end step. Mm -hmm. Or if you roll between 10 and 20, you flicker them again. And then they return your end step. That's so basically, amazing. if someone's casting a wrath and you cast this spell, you're always protecting your whole board because they're always going to be flickered and come back in mm -hmm. the end step. But in some instances, they will flicker, come back, flicker, come back. The really good thing about this spell specifically, it says exile each non-token permanent. Yeah, non-token creature um, you control. Which yeah. means that, yeah, non-token creature. So it means all those tokens that are being created mm. aren't being exiled and therefore disappear. Yes. This is a really good pick. Because the tokens wouldn't come back otherwise. Thank you, I, I agree. <laughs> um, my weird pick, this might be, this is probably my top three favorite magic cards full stop. Uh, Sprout Swarm. <laughs> So silly. For one it's and a, a green, <laughs> for one and a green, you get an instant with Convoke, so you can tap your creatures to cast the spell, basically, and they pay for generic mana or a mana of the creature's color. Has buyback for three, so three generic, so you can pay three generic mana and put the spell into your hand as it resolves. Just says put a one-one green sapling creature token onto the battlefield. However, the Convoke can pay for the buyback. So what this means is if you have five creatures and one of them is green, at least one of them is green, you can just tap those five creatures and make a Saproling. And for every five creatures you have, you can do that again. And of, of course, once you start getting to like 15, 20 creatures, you can be like, cool, I tap these 20 creatures, make four Saprolings. Oh, I need one more. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> 21 creatures. <laughs> if you had 25 creatures, you could tap all of them, oh, yeah. make five, 25... No, no, the make math five is saprolings, then tap those saprolings, cast yeah. it again. Anyway, you just you make saprolings, and it is literally the definition of exponential growth. It's, it is really cool. It's I think this for, for me, this deck is probably the most Walt deck that you own. <laughs> I think yeah. this is the most Walt. Like if you look at the card art or the art on our um uh, like podcasts, mm. like you are in green, white, yeah. uh, superhero clothing. And I've also got like a plant, like yes. it's very green. Yes. And, yeah. and, and like this deck has been in a few iterations. I think you had, um, Tatyova. No, no. Um, what's uh, the, what's Selesnia? the name? She's in this deck. She is in the list thing. Tristani. Tristani Discordant. Tristani Discordant, the one that ETBs and makes two soldiers. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. You used to have that as the commander. Um, mm. um, but I think Reese is just such a cool mana outlet. Yeah. This deck does one of the best things that I think that um, we've spoken about in a long time is it can leave up a lot of mana mm. and then it can sink all that mana into something yeah. if you don't need the response that you thought you needed. If you didn't need that protection spell or if you don't need the removal, you can sink it into Reese or a Sprout Swarm mm. and you can get value. It's weirdly a Selesnia deck that can leave up mana. It's yes. quite good at it. And honestly, that's what I like the most about playing it is um, having that instant speed mana outlet means you can hold up answers. Like you can hold up removal spells. You can hold up that flicker spell, whatever you want. And then no matter what, if nobody does anything that you want to interact with, you just pay six into Reese and double all your tokens. It feels incredible. And look, name a more iconic duo than making a wide board and casting Overwhelming Stampede. Yeah, it's good. It's amazing. Um... 
<laughs> the verdict echoes what you said. <laughs> Reese does my absolute favorite things in Magic. Use enter the battlefield effects and make tokens. There you go. That's you the go. most Walt deck you could possibly oh have. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, buckle in for the rest of the verdict because it gets better from here. It's also a token deck that likes to have answers and work at instant speed, which isn't always how token decks shake out. However, as I've picked up cards over the years, the deck has just gotten really good and isn't always the right power level for a casual game anymore. I still love to pull it out though, and it might be the most Walt deck I own, so Reese is an A. So there you go. James knows me that well. He used the exact words that I used. Yeah, and, and I haven't seen uh, Walt's notes on his own decks before nope, this. So we wrote this them is, completely separately. Yeah, this is brilliant. <laughs> it, it is. It is the most Walt deck you own. I think you're probably right. Yep. Um, on to the next one. This one's also pretty me. Uh, this is the only one where I would specifically like to shout out the name of the deck on Moxfield. I'll do it in a second. I'll tell you what the commander is. Um, this is my Mowu Loyal Companion deck. People who've listened to the last 10 or 12 episodes will have heard of this deck a lot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Mowu is a four mana three, three with trample and vigilance for three and a green. Uh, and he says, if one or more plus one counters would be put on Mowu, that many plus one plus one counters are put on it instead. Um, so Mowu is a mid-power plus one counters deck that tries to make huge stompy creatures or put a load of counters on Mowu and win through commander damage. Now, the name of this deck on Moxfield is the Disreputable Dog. Some people would look at that and be like, oh, okay, that's like a cool name for Mowu. Like he's kind of disreputable, I guess. Maybe. This is a reference though. This is a reference to a series of books by Garth Nix uh, called The Abortion. I think they're called it Across the Wall. I forget exactly the name of the trilogy, but the first one's called Sabriel. Anyway, in that series, there's a, um, a dog who is an interdimensional being. Um, basically, like, every time you think the dog has done everything it can do, it does something remarkably weird. And then every time the dog is confronted, like, how'd you do that? She's like, I just wanted to go where you were. Aww. <laughs> it's so cute. Like, talks like a dog would if they could speak English. Um, anyway. I so, just wanted to be where you were. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Really, really cute. The disreputable dog. Um, some key cards in this deck. Iridescent Horn Beetle is one that I've talked about before. This is a... Four mana, five mana, sorry, three, four insect that says at the beginning of your end step, create a one, one green insect creature token for each plus one counter you've put on creatures under your control this turn. Uh, this gets out of hand really quickly, as you've seen. Yeah, before. out of nowhere, this can create a board state that's, yeah, super wide, yep. super wide. It turns those like that super tall board state with plus one counters into a super wide board state really yep. quickly. Um, the other card I'd like to shout out, I think people should be playing this more. Um, I understand it's a six mana spell and we don't always have room for them, but it's really good. Um, Titania's Command is a six mana sorcery for four green green that says choose two. Either you exile target player's graveyard, gain a life for each card exiled this way. Search your library for two land cards, not basic land cards, by the way. Put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. That gets Kabulkov as an airbook. Yep. Create two 2-2 two, two green bear creature tokens or put two plus one counters on each creature you control. Hey, this creates bears. I should run this in bears. You should run this in bears. <laughs> it also, like, I, I think the two lines of text people are missing the most are weirdly the top two, <laughs> which is exile tiger player's graveyard. You gain one life for each card exiled this each way. Each card, not even each creature or each land card. It's each card. Yeah. What percentage of the time do you reckon when you play sit down for a game is someone playing a graveyard strategy? Oh, I reckon like I reckon 80% of the time. 
Yeah, I probably wouldn't say as high as 80, but like I reckon it's a 50-50 coin flip in yeah. your pods. Someone cares about having cards in their graveyard. Or incidentally is just putting a lot of cards in their graveyard. Well, yeah, actually that's probably that's a better question. Is yeah. How much of the time does someone's graveyard have more than like 15 cards in it? Because sometimes huge. people just draw like 20 cards, discard, you know, like 15 of them. Spell slinger decks are just casting cards to draw more cards to yeah. put cards in graveyard. So even so, if it's not a graveyard focused deck, this yeah. can gain you a lot of life. Gain a load of life. And yeah, it searches for lands. F- full stop. You can get any land you want out of your library. You get i mean for me in this deck it gets mossfort bridge and that's what gets me <laughs> excited but you know if yeah if you were playing cabal covers and urborg you could get those if you yeah, were playing gaia's insane. cradle you could get gaia's cradle like yeah i think more people should be playing that card that's why i want to shout it out yeah fair enough um the weird pick in this card this deck i was trying to find low to the ground this is a deck that doesn't play much ramp sure so i, tr- I wanted to have low to the ground impactful cards yep. i wanted to find low to the ground cards, specifically creatures, that would put plus one counters on things and do it repeatedly. So not like Enter the Battlefield, put a plus one counter. Like something you would do it consistently. Oh, I've seen you play this card. <laughs> I couldn't remember the name of it, but now that I'm reading the text, yeah. It's so weird. For one on a green, you get a 2-1 Centaur. It's called Force Mage Advocate. You can tap it and return target card in an opponent's graveyard to their hand. Put a plus one counter on target creature. Yeah, this is not good. This is not a good card. No. But I have seen this card be put to great use in the politics realm. Yeah, that's what I like about yeah, it. That's this, what I like about it. This can be like, I can give you back that instant spell that you can't get back any other way. Mm. And you get to cast that twice this game. How good would that be? Yeah. Or you could be like, hey, you know that board wipe that we desperately need that you discarded to hand size a couple of turns ago? Mm. I'll give it back to you if you promise to cast it. Yeah. Like, you know. Or have this removal spell, but it can't come at me. Yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah. When you use this with politics, mwah, chef's kiss. It's good. Um, what's this like to play against in a game? I would say that this deck is incredibly good at, like, finishing a game. Mm. It has so many alternate win cons. Like, the commander damage thing is scary, yes, of course, but, like, that iridescent horn beetle can make a ton of tokens and an overwhelming stampede even without Moa on the battlefield that could just be a 4-4 and a bunch of horn beetles plus mm. a 4-4 is enough to kill everybody um, this is really cool I think that this deck you really have to threat assess it correctly Yeah, you really have to go okay how big is Moa is Moa likely to kill me on commander damage no what's the next best thing on Walt's board mm. if I have a removal spell Moa might not be my choice Walt also has to kill three other like two other people other than me mm. it's really good at ending the game Game, so you have to figure out how Walt is going to end the game yeah. and then interact with that specifically. <laughs> Most likely there'll be another alternative win con in there as well. But <laughs> yeah, a th- threat assess this correctly is my advice for playing against it. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I like that that was half compliment and half like, be careful, okay? Be yeah. Careful. <laughs> uh, and I like, look, if you get to play with us um, in like, you know, public settings at like Command Fest or, you know, at PAX yeah. or wherever we're going to be in the future, uh, this is likely going to be a deck Walt busts out. So yeah, strong chance. Preparing the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for that. You're James. welcome. <laughs> Asshole. Um, this deck is actually really fun to play. It's all about sequencing, which I really enjoy. Yeah. You've really got to think about like the sequence of playing cards in your hand. Like there's a lot of cards that care about the power of a creature you control. Well, to get like the most value from the plus one counter effects. Yeah. And... There's a lot. There's like four or five of those spells that say like draw cards equal to the greatest power among creatures you control. Mm. So obviously you want to draw like 10 or 12 cards with those ideally. So yeah. you, you often have to empty your hand, but then hold up a protection spell mm. so that nothing gets removed, then play that thing. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's all about sequencing in a good way. Like you have yeah. to think about it, but it's not impossible to think about, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, it's oh, fun. I like this deck. What's the verdict? The verdict. Moe knows exactly how it wants to win and doesn't need to stuff around much to get there, which is a, an absolute joy when I feel like turning my brain off. It's consistent. It's mono green. It's mono Just green. go. <laughs> Just go. Uh, it's consistent, streamlined, and really rewards good sequencing. However, it folds to a well-timed removal spell, so it's just not quite where I want it to be yet. Mowu is an A. Mm, we're in the A zone. We're in the A zone. Like in these decks. What's next? Next one we have is um, a classic. This one actually has a, a video on the, the Greensboro Commander Community YouTube channel yes. about it. We can link that in the show notes oh, as well. Oh, maybe I should actually. It's not on our YouTube channel, no. but it's on another channal, which is the community where this podcast was birthed, yeah, I guess. Yeah, we're still, we're still part of that community for sure. Um, it's my Itch to Keek and Rebecca Golems deck. So, <laughs> um, it's weird. So, I'll read the most important commander first. It's Itch to Keek Salvage Splicer. For four and a green, you get a Phyrexian Human Artificer. Doesn't say that on the card. It's, it's been eroded. Um, when it enters the battlefield, create a 3-3 colorless golem Phyrexian artifact creature token, also been eroded. Whenever an artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one counter on Ishtakeek and a plus one counter on each golem you control. Um, this has partner with Rebecca, Architect of Ascension. For three and a white, you get a three, four human artificer that says artifacts you control have protection from each mana value among artifacts you control. It's worded so weird. Mm. Basically, if I control a one mana artifact and a two mana artifact... All my artifacts have protection from the mana values one and two. Correct. So, and remember that the acronym for protection is debt. So things that have protection from a given property can't be damaged, can't be equipped or enchanted, can't be blocked, or can't be targeted by things of the chosen type. They can still die to a board wipe that says destroy all or mm. return all. Anything that's targeting all things or mm. doing something to all is, yeah, that's not going to save protections i'm going to save you from that no it's not but basically the important thing here is it's going to give my golems unblockable a lot of the time when i have enough artifacts that's mm -hmm. kind of the reason it's in the deck um so key cards um one of them is this is a classic example of the kind of card that is good in only this deck <laughs> bottle golems <laughs> for four generic mana you get a three three golem that has trample and when it dies you gain life equal to its power this is the perfect golem to put a million plus one counters on it um, it has trample, so it's going to get it's, through, yeah. and it'll gain you a bunch of life when it dies. It also kind of wants to die, which is kind of the secret tech of the deck, is you have to have cards, like, you need golems, but you also need artifacts that want to go to the graveyard. To trigger Ishtakeek. To trigger yeah. Ishtakeek. Um, the other key card in the deck, and this is a real, like, this turns everything in the deck on, is Trading Post. Um, this is the four mana artifact. It has a bunch of lines of text. I'll just read the last two because they're the important ones. Um, you can pay one and tap it and sacrifice a creature. Return an artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Or pay one and tap it and sacrifice an artifact to draw a card. So this Feels is good. really going to get the wheels turning on the deck and make your, you cycle things out of your graveyard back onto the battlefield. Especially sacking artifact creatures. You can choose either of those two abilities to sack them to. Mm. Uh, the weird pick is last week's Thrifty Interlude. It's Glunch, the Bestower. We love this boy. He's so good. He's the best jellyfish we've ever seen. For one green-white, you get an 05 with flying. It says at the beginning of your end step, choose a player. They put two plus on counters on a creature they control. Choose a second player to draw a card. Then choose a third player to create two treasure tokens. So as we spoke about in uh, the last episode when we featured this card, um, it's... 
you give the treasures to someone that's not you because you don't care who uses it because when artifacts are put into the graveyard from the battlefield, including your opponent's artifacts, Ishtakik will buff all your golems. So giving your opponent's treasures is actually like really good in this mm. deck. Um, and Glunch is my favorite way to do it because it also just draws you a card in every end step. It's also a jellyfish. <laughs> it's also a jellyfish. <laughs> it's funny. Um, what's this deck like to play against, James? I love this deck. I think that like you building artifacts is you had to do it in green white you couldn't have gone red blue which is the best colors <laughs> to build artifact deck in no. um but you looked at this commander pairing and went there's something in this there's a challenge here um i think the only problem with it for me is it's really fragile mm. if ishtakik isn't on field and to be fair he is really expensive he's five mana yeah for a one one yeah like he dies to a fart. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like a small gust of wind will kill him. Yeah. Um, and the amount of times that I've just seen you recast Ishtakik mm. and pass turn... And also the other sad thing is Rebecca doesn't give him protection. No, because he's not an artifact. He's an artificer. Yeah. So it's, I think it's really fragile. Mm. More protection would be better. I actually would like to see you upgrade this deck with the stuff from March of the Machine and Phyrexia Orby one. Mm. There's a lot of Phyrexian tribal stuff that might help the deck. Yeah, I did. Um, I do have my eyes on a particular card that I saw played in an Extra Turns game on Command Zone's channel recently. Mm. It's a seven mana um, artificer. But it makes a 3-3 Phyrexian Golem for each opponent you have when it enters the battlefield. So it makes three, usually, yeah. yeah. And it gives Golems you control indestructible. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I like that. Really, really sweet. So I'm definitely going to pick up a copy of that. Yeah. Um, in terms of me piloting this deck, I love how many cards are in here that I cast and people go... What is that? What does that do? Please read it. Um, I've never seen that card in my life. Uh, this deck has a lot of those in there. And I like that then... I think I've said before that one of my absolute favorite things to happen in Commander is when I can cast something and someone goes, What's, what on earth is that card? They read it and then they go, wow, that card's kind of sick in this deck. Mm. That's like my goal as a deck builder is to find cards like that. You get a giddy joy from that. Absolutely, I, do. I, I Big shout out to an include that you put in recently, Throne of Geth. Oh yeah, um, I can't believe I'd missed this originally. It was in my Tornos deck and you were like, how the hell did I not have that yeah, in? You sacrifice no, an artifact to Throne of Geth and you proliferate. Yeah. So it's like doing the plus one counter thing. It's, it's sacrificing an artifact. It's, yeah. it's sick. It's absolutely perfect. Um, the verdict on this deck, my Golems deck is very near to my heart. There's a reason I featured it in that um, video on the other channel yeah. so long ago. It does another one of my favorite things to do in Magic, which is play weird cards that actually kind of work. It's in colors that I like, and it makes for truly strange play patterns in a good way. The deck is very slow, though, and doesn't always pull together all of the cogs it needs to truly were. And for that reason, this deck is an A. Doesn't quite make S tier in your No, it's close, fair. though. It's, it's definitely close. Definitely getting up there. I just don't pull it out that often. I think that's a big part of the rating for me. Is like, Which how often do I for? reach for Yeah, them? that's yeah. fair. Um, my next deck, speaking of old decks, we talked, spoke about Meryn before. This is the first commander deck I ever built. The cards in it are completely different. Yeah. I would hazard a guess that there's probably about two cards in here that were in the first version of the deck. Maybe the commander in a basic plane <laughs> is like... <laughs> Just about. Um, it's Azor the Lawbringer. So for two white, white, blue, blue, you get a 6-6 six, six Flying Sphinx that says, when Azor the Lawbringer enters the battlefield, each opponent can't cast instant or sorcery spells during that player's next turn. That line of text is irrelevant. Whenever Azor attacks, you may pay X... White, blue, blue. If you do, you gain X life and draw X cards. So 
Those of you who've been playing Magic for a while will recognize that line of text as being identical to the card Sphinx's Revelation. On a shtick. Yeah. So Azor is a heavily optimized Sphinx's Revelation deck. It cares exclusively about drawing cards and gaining life, and preferably cards that do both. It assembles a massive hand, gains a ton of life, and uses those triggers to usually make an absolutely massive creature. This is also the first commander deck I ever built, though it's changed a lot since then. So a couple of key cards. Um, this is a classic example of one of those mm. cards I want to make really big. Uh, and this Card is, draw matters. This is probably one of the only cards that was in the original version of the deck, actually, now that I look at it. It's Chasm Skulker. For two and a blue, you get a Squid Horror 1-1 one, one that says, whenever you draw a card, put a plus one counter on Chasm Skulker. And when Chasm Skulker dies, create X 1-1 one, one blue squid creature tokens with Island Walk, where X is the number of plus one counters on Chasm Skulker. Uh, so yeah, wheel a lot, make a bunch of counters, and then when it dies, get even more creatures. It's and it great. gets scary to me very quickly because I'm definitely playing an island. Yeah. <laughs> yep, you definitely are. Um, another key card in the deck, and this card works really well with Chasm Skulker, um, is Wall of Reverence. For three and a white, you get a 1-6 with Defender and Flying that says, at the beginning of your end step, you may gain life equal to the power of target creature you control. Um, so yeah, that's going to really good with Chasm Skulker. Yeah. Make Chasm Skulker huge, gain a bunch of life. You're doing the two things that the deck cares about. The ultimate tech is there's a couple of uh, effects in this deck that say whenever you gain life, put that many plus one counters on a creature. So these two in conjunction get out of hand. Um, the weird pick in this deck is a card that actually does a lot of work in here and only in here. Um, Vanish into Memory. For two white blue, it's an instant that says exile target creature. You draw cards equal to that creature's power. At the beginning of your next upkeep, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. If you do, discard cards equal to that creature's toughness. So the tech here is either exiling, um... A creature with a lot of counters on it. Which there are actually quite a lot in this deck. Yeah. There's well, like a lot of like the um, lion, the Ajani's pride mate. Yeah, gets those counters. sorts of effects. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's one way to do it. You can also do your opponent's creatures. Um, so someone, like, think about how much of the time you're in a game where someone either has, like, a bunch of auras on something to make it massive, or a bunch of counters on something to make it massive, but the actual, like, power toughness on the card is quite low... Any effect like that means you're going to be like, cool, I exile it, I'm going to draw nine cards. In the end step, I'm going to discard one. Also, sometimes four mana, draw four, discard four, not bad. No, it's fine. It's really totally serviceable. That's... Like, it gets you the answer that you need. This is a good pick. Yeah, it removes a blocker, too, like as a, or mm. an attacker that someone might have. Very good point. Um, so what's it like to play against in a game, James? I'm just fond of this deck. I have a lot of memories of being in lockdown with you, playing with our housemates at the time, uh, playing 1v1 Commander. This These were my first games of Commander yes. ever. And the like first games I played. This was way back in the day when, like, you know, we really didn't understand how different rules worked as yeah. well. So some of the things we got wrong, which made for some really weird home games. Yeah. I am just really fond of this deck in just the memories capacity of it. Mm. So when I see it played and I see that new cards are being put in it, it makes me smile. Like Shabraz, um, the Sky Shark is a new <laughs> card that got put in this not too long ago. Part of a fantastic infinite combo in the deck that, that kills, kills me on the stack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only infinite that I'm aware of. If Walt fucks up, he can just die to I that. He can just die. Um, I just really like playing against this deck. It does what it wants to do. It draws cards. It rewards you from drawing cards. It wants to gain life. It rewards you for gaining life. That's what the deck is, mm. and it and it does it well. Yeah, I really enjoy piloting this deck. I think it like. It puts together these two things that don't normally go together, and mm. it does it reasonably well. It also makes, like, 
this is my only budgetless deck. Like, I have always spent a lot more money on this than anything else. If you go on my Moxfield, it's listed as 450 US dollars at the as moment. As a present, I think I bought you a Ristic study for this You deck. did. You yeah. did. Um, yeah. So, it, it's there's some really powerful cards in mm. this deck. Um, there's also some weird cards. In, most importantly, the great cards and the weird cards work together really well. And that's yes. what makes me really happy. Um, so the verdict on this deck, Azor is a no-holds-barred synergistic bomb. I have no other decks like it in power or price, and I love <laughs> that about it. There are more of these beautiful, strange plays possible for this deck that I obviously enjoyed, but they're supported by really premium interaction, ramp, and probably my best mana base. As I've said a few times, though, I rarely play in pods that are this powerful, so I rarely get to pull out this deck. Consequently, it's an A. Yeah, okay, I, I see that. I remember a point where the deck was like, can I make this a CDH list? And that was before we understood what CDH was. And <laughs> you really tried to do it, and mm. then it was just like, you know what, I'll bring it back, but it still sits at that power level where it's like too good for casual. Yeah, I it was definitely sitting at that awful power level where it was not good enough for CDH, way too oppressive for casual, and I was yeah. like, no, this is not where I want to be. That's fair. Um, I like I like where it's at, it's just that, just that little bit too powerful a lot of the time. Um, we're moving into S tier, James. Oh boy. This first one in S tier will make you very, very happy to hear about. It's Kaza Royal Chaser. Yes, Walt builds is it, finally. <laughs> Maybe James's favorite deck of mine. But I, I reckon. You have to tell me at the end, actually, which one it is. Um, so, Kaza Royal Chaser is a 1-2 with flying and haste. It's a human wizard for a blue-red. Uh, you can tap Kaza, and the next instant or sorcery spell you cast this turn costs X less to cast, where X is the number of wizards you control as this ability resolves. So, yeah, it's a wizard's deck. Kaza is a fairly synergized wizard's deck that tries to make a bunch of wizards, then cast really game-warping spells at a huge discount to draw cards and control the board before winning with a huge burn spell or uh, a massive board and going super wide. Mm. Uh, a couple of key cards in the deck. Double Vision is one that I really like in decks that try to cast big spells. For three red, red, you get an enchantment that says whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Very easy to make this into a really game-ending spell. Mm. Uh, Wizards of Thay is another key card in the deck. This does everything that the deck wants, really. It's a 3-3 uh, three, three human wizard for 3 and a blue. It has Myriad, so when it attacks, you create a token copy of it attacking each other player, each other opponent. Instant sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast, and you may cast sorcery spells as though they had flash. So this just reduces the cost of spells by, like, at least three. So strong. It's really, really, really It's good. really, really cool. What's um, the weird pick? The weird I'm, I'm pick? I'm curious of what your weird pick for this deck is, because oh. there's a couple of really bizarre cards in this deck. There are so many I could choose from, but I'll choose one that's actually okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Surge to Victory. For four red red, you get a sorcery that says exile target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard creatures you control get plus x plus o until end of turn where x is that card's mana value whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player this turn copy the exiled card you may cast the copy without paying its mana cost now the absolute best way to do this is one that i know you have personally pulled off I... when you played this deck yeah which is exiling i think there's only one extra turn spell in this deck now but you exile that extra turn spell 
your creatures get plus six plus zero until end of turn, and when they do a combat damage to a player, you get a copy. So you just take an extra turn for each creature that connects. It's yeah, wild. I won the game after that. I can I, believe that. It was like one of those moments. I was in the game store and I was like looking at my decks, and I was like, oh, I don't really have anything that I really want to play. So I went over to you and I was like, what decks have you brought with you? Because mm. I've kind of played everything and I want yep. something different. And you open your box and I saw you've got this box is a red blue box and yeah. i was like that one i want this one give me the wizard's deck and i went over to my pod and was like look i'm gonna play a walt deck is everyone okay with that um it's like i know that this deck is pretty powerful it can win with some really interesting like big splashy spells kind of on the spot burn type stuff mm. um and everyone's like yeah sure no worries and then i did that and ev everyone in that pod was like i didn't know this was what a walt deck was <laughs> Oh, like, yeah, extra turn spells. Yeah. This is the only one of Walt's decks that it's does this. It's crazy. But yeah, it's wild. Um, what's it like to play against? Look, piloting it is so much fun. Mm. Playing against it is kind of spooky. Right. It does the typical is it thing of, like, playing a land and passing, mm. which, is this what it's like to play against me, where you're like, what is he about to do? <laughs> um, a but lot of the time, yeah. I think that the, the deck is, like, really cool. Because, like, in the early game, you're just casting these, like, weird wizards and you're like oh it's a wizard tribal deck and then out of nowhere you can be like all right storm king's thunder yeah. uh a big burn spell and i'm yeah. like w do you win and you're yeah. like i think so let's do the math yeah like, <laughs> straight up it is a really cool deck to see get to its like critical mass which mm. is the game winning position where you tap kaza and it's you know you cast a storm king's thunder for x equaling seven yeah something like that like that's ridiculous yeah and then casting a burn spell it's like Okay, how do you even stop that except out of a counter spell? Yeah, like it's it's pretty busted in that way. Look, it's it's a fun deck to pilot. It's fun to have all of the answers, mm. and also as I've increasingly tinkered with this deck, for the answers to be really weird, <laughs> um, because you can justify these really high mana value instants in particular. Yeah, because you can just like tap Kaza, cast them on someone's end step. I've put some really weird cards in this deck. Like, I, when I was picking the weird pick, I was like, man, I could pick, like, half this deck yeah. at this point. I've actually taken out a lot of the burn spells. Interesting. Be because I want to find other ways to win. And so there's but still, like, Storm King's Thunder is still in there. Um, Electro Dominance is still in there as the main card. burn spell. But I actually took out... Um, What's the one that has multi-kicker? Comet Storm. Oh, yeah. That's Comet Storm's gone. I just found I was winning with specifically that card way too much of the time. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it might come back in, but for now I'm trying to go down the route of like, okay, what weird stuff can I copy? Like Mob Rule. That's or cool. um, Dance with Calamity or Soulfire Eruption. There's just, there's so many different avenues to go down and yeah. everything's weird and yeah like it's a weird deck that of mine that also actually works really well yeah which is kind of a rarity like most of the decks as they get weirder and weirder on my like axis of weird they tend to also move down the power level thing this is not really one of them for no me. well it's it's like spell slinger but you've somehow made it vorthosy wizard type creature yeah. base <laughs> like i don't know how you managed to do that making a typal strategy with big spells it, it you did know. it really well but like shout out to like cards like sublime epiphany which are just yeah good in most commander decks brilliant in this deck this becomes counter spell it does with upside, with upside. Yeah. it's so cool it's so cool so the verdict on this deck kaza is an extremely wacky deck with a lot of really fun weirdos in it there are a million answers to every question including well 
What are you doing? And I never <laughs> run out of interesting things to try in a game. Most importantly, this is my absolute favorite deck to tinker with because every set gives us new, weird, high mana value spells to play with. Kaza is a blast that is often my first choice deck at a random pod. And it's an S. Yeah, um, yeah, happy that this is an S for you. I, it was hard for me to admit, I'm not gonna lie, yeah. <laughs> it was like... Is it sitting in the S tier? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Storm of Saruman might be a good pick for this deck from the new Lord of the Rings deck. I've thought about it, I've thought about it. The, the, Maybe. Yeah, I'm definitely considering, I, I'll probably have to monitor where the price ends up, to yeah, be honest, probably. that'll be a big factor for me. Um, next on my list, we have another type, uh, creature type deck. It's Catilda and Leah. So this is a, a very recent card printed in the... Um, oh, they came in the pre-release packs for which set? What was the last set that came out? March of the Machine. March of the Machine. After no, I think yeah. it was March of the Machine. It, it, it was March of the Machine, not Aftermath. Aftermath only has like a limited number of creatures. Yeah. But these are the like the pair-up ones. Like, yes, the team-up kind yeah. of like endgame style. Usually two people from the same plane teaming up to fight the Phyrexian invasion. Yeah, and then I they, really like the flavor of it. Yeah, and often their abilities, and this is definitely an example, like they combine the two things that those individual creatures do yeah. in a new and exciting like, way. On Innistrad it was Talia and the Gitrog. Yeah, um, that's which is really strong by the way. Really, really good. Yeah. What's um, yours? This one's Katilda and Leah. For green, white, blue, you get a 3-3 human that says Whenever you cast a human spell, target instant or sorcery card in your graveyard gains flashback until end of turn. The flashback cost is equal to its mana cost. Super cool. So Katilda caring about humans yep. and Lear caring about instants and sorceries. Yep. You get this weird, like, you want to have the creature type human, but you also want to have spell slingers. Yeah. yeah, straight up. So... Katilda and Leah is a very casual humans deck that wants to get massive value from casting spells multiple times in a turn. Uh, it tries to build a super wide board, have a million answers, and either win with a huge storm count or more often, a ton of little human boys. Yep, fair. Um, a couple of key cards. The best human in the deck, in my opinion, would have to be Crib Swap. It's tribe <laughs> the typal instant yep. shapeshifter. It is technically a human because <laughs> the, the card has changeling. So this says, uh, it's an instant that says... Uh, changeling, exile target creature. It's controller created one one colorless cha shapeshifter creature token with changeling. So the the thing that happens here when you cast so a human, cool. something in your graveyard gains flashback to end of turn. Right? This is a human spell because the spell has changeling. It's every creature type. So even though it's an instant spell, yep. it is actually a human that triggers Katilda and Leah, which means yep. it gives something in the grave. I love this. This is sick. How was this not your weird pick? I, there's a weirder pick. Is, really? Is the real answer. Okay. I mean, maybe. I, I think Crip Swap sees enough play that I don't feel quite, like, it's it's not weird enough. Sure, I guess, so okay, fair enough. Um, I like shouting out those cards people haven't seen, I guess is the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Crip Swap's great. Yeah. It, also, then you can flash it back, and then when you flash it back, it's still a human spell. It's still You cast another again. human spell. It's Love so it. cool. Um, another key card in the deck is, and this is just an example of the kind of humans you want, low mana cost humans that care about spells. Oh, Raph. Raph, nice. Weatherlight Stalwart. So for white, uh, white and a blue, you get a 1-3 human wizard that says, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may tap two untapped creatures you control. If you do draw a card, it also has uh, the ability to pump your, your board for a bunch, but you're never, never going to use that. It's that casting instant or sorceries and mm. drawing cards by tapping things. Um, and yeah, it's a low to the mana, low to the ground human, so it's very easy to get that cast trigger on Katilda and yep. Leah with this. Love this card. Uh, my weird pick is Jailbreak. Uh, for one and a white, this is a sorcery, this is from the new Capenna Commander decks. 
It's strange, and I see why no one plays it, but I, know, I like it. I remember you talking about this yeah. card, yeah. So you return target permanent card in an opponent's graveyard to the battlefield under their control. You really like doing this, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> I'm seeing a recurring theme here. Um, when that permanent enters the battlefield, return up to one target permanent card with equal or lesser amount of value from your graveyard to the battlefield. So basically the way this goes, let's say James is playing, I don't know, a zombie deck. He's yep. got a four mana zombie in his graveyard. I cast Jailbreak. I bring that zombie back from your graveyard to the battlefield. It's a four mana spell, so I can bring back a permanent with mana value four or less from my graveyard to the battlefield mm. as well. Uh, for one and a white. So like... That's pretty good. One and a right return... Pretty much anything you want. And you can also, like, be a bit tricky here. You can get something that's really high value for you, mm. and you can return something that's, like, mid, low, not that great for your opponent. Yeah, yeah. You pick something your opponent doesn't need. Or yeah. you politic. You go, yeah. like, oh, what do you need back from your graveyard? Cool. Um, if you do that, can that not swing at me? And I'm going to bring back this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Feels really cool. Super cool. Every time I hear this card's name, I just think of the Thin Lizzy song, Jailbreak. Uh, tonight there's going to be a jailbreak I don't think I somewhere in this town. You should listen to it. It's a great oh, song. Oh, damn. Okay, there you go. There's a, there's a theme song that accompanies that song. Um, James, what it's like, it, what's it like to play against this deck? Look, I've only played against this deck a couple of times because it's pretty new, mm -hmm. but it works. I'm shocked mm. at how well, like, this is one of those commands that say you have to do a lot of things and a lot of hoops to jump through to get mm. this deck working and it reads like that on the card it's honestly not that hard you cast a human and you can choose a spell to cast for flashback mm. it's just good value and i think this is a lot to say about commanders that don't draw a lot of heat like mm. if you cast for example atraxa or Elish Norn, or I'm just thinking Praetors for some reason. <laughs> if you cast like Niv-Mizzet Perun as mm. another good example, just like really big, powerful commanders that are like, if you don't remove this commander, I'm going to win somehow. And mm. this is such high value for me. If you've got removal, use it on this. Yeah. Katilda and Lear does not say that at all. No. I'm not scared of Katilda and Lear. Mm. So it usually stays around. Yeah. And it usually gets you so much value that you win the game just by accruing so much value. Well, it's kind of... Uh, we'll remem you'll remember from the Glass Cannon episode, this was like the anti-Glass Cannon deck mm. that I built as opposed to my old Tygam list. Um, Tygam in the 99 of this deck, by the way. Still really good. Yeah, still really good. But yeah, like this was specifically a deck that I wanted to build where the commander wasn't essential. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think I did that reasonably well. Uh, in terms of piloting this deck... This is a very, very rare deck, and I discovered this the other day, and this is what bumped it up into S tier for me. This is a deck that's fun to lose with. Ooh. And I mean that genuinely. I lost two games in a row very quickly with this deck. I think you might even have been in both mm. of these games. I lost very quickly both games with this deck. I had a blast both of those games. Um, there was just so many things to do. Well, the deck does the thing. We talk about yeah. the thing that your deck wants to do, and this deck... Very consistently does it. Yeah. Which you should be very proud of this deck. Thank you. I am. Um, the verdict. How enjoyable is it to pilot? Well, it's the ultimate value engine, but it's not essential for the deck working to have Katilda and Lee on the battlefield, which makes for really varied gameplay. There are a million branches you can go down when piloting this deck, and it's fantastic to know that you have answers to anything people throw at you. This is a strong, fun deck that is limited in power by its commanders, or commander, I should say, <laughs> and can subsequently be played at almost any table. I love playing this deck, and it's an S. Love it. I really like this deck. 
feedback as well. I'm really proud of you for building something that isn't a glass cannon. <laughs> uh, like genuinely, <laughs> I yeah. ge I'm really happy that you like saw a problem in your deck building and solved it with a deck. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm stoked with it, honestly. Yeah. It's, I, I'm in it. It's fun to lose with. <laughs> it's great. It's so cool. Shout out to our very old episode, How to Lose. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah good one. Um, we have one deck left to go. Oh, this has been a long one. It I haven't feel one. like we've been speaking for this long because I, I honestly am just looking at Moxfield lists and I enjoy doing that. So let's <laughs> I, keep going. Thanks for sticking with me on the ride. I feel like this is very indulgent of me to just like ramble about my decks for a while, but I'm, it's been fun having some company. Well, I'm scared that the uh, space commanders are going to come back and ask about mine. So you're going to have to strap <laughs> in for my list. That's true. That's true. It's only fair. Um, so the last deck that I would like to talk about today is my Queen Marchesa deck. So Queen Marchesa is a human assassin. It's a 3-3 three, three for one red, white, black. She has death touch and haste. When she enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. And at the beginning of your upkeep, if an opponent is the monarch, you create a 1-1 one, one black assassin creature token with death touch and haste. So uh, this deck is a deck that is built entirely for my partner, Electra. Who doesn't uh, play magic. Doesn't play magic, all. quite explicitly. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, it's inspired by her. It's not for her. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a it, bit of an ode to Electra yes. in the form of a commander deck. It's exactly that. Uh, so it's full of goths, vampires, um, Greek-inspired gods, looking at you, Theros, <laughs> and other things that she thinks are really cool. I have had the every card in this deck has had to get the Electra tick of approval. Um, it has to have been cool and goth and interesting enough that she liked looking at it. I've seen the process of this as well. It's mm. like, it's a good, uh, you know, she takes her time and considers she whether does. or not it's her enough. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a reasonably powerful aristocrat's deck. So it's trying to sack things for value. So it wins by either draining the table with a vampire or going super wide with tokens or stealing everyone's graveyards with Command the Dread Horde and winning with the original magic goth girl, Liliana. Mm. Uh, a couple of key cards. One of them I want to shout out here because this deck actually has a bit of a weenies sub-theme. In other words, creatures with like low power, uh, low casting cost. Graceful Restoration. For three white black, you have a sorcery where you choose one. Either you return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield with an additional plus one counter on it. That seems like a pretty bad rate. That's not For five mana, yeah. We not... spoke about return returning rates in yeah. another episode, and that's bad. Overcosted, for sure. But you can also return up to two target creature cards with power two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Now that is a good rate. Yes. Get two creatures back for five mana. Seems pretty good. Especially in a deck where you're going to be sacrificing creatures, right? Mm. You're going to be able to get those creatures in the bin, then reanimate them. Yeah, it's doing all the stuff. Nice. Uh, also like to shout out Morbid Opportunist. We've spoken about this card before. We both rate it super highly. So good. Um, for two and a black, you get a human rogue. It's a one three that says, whenever one or more other creatures die, draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. Importantly, it doesn't have to be your creatures. Nope. If anyone's creatures die, you draw a card. Only yep. once a turn, but like it's going to check on every single person's turn. You'd be amazed how often this yeah. triggers. Play this card just one time and you'll be surprised how often uh, you draw. It's insane. Totally. It's so good. Um, my weird pick, I think this card is super good. You have to play it. It's a deck. It's a card that makes spirits. It wants to be in a deck that doesn't play spirits. It's <laughs> so particular, but if you do it, it's so good. It's Requiem Angel. For five and a white, it's a 5-5 five, five angel with flying that says, whenever another non-spirit creature you control dies, create a 1-1 one, one white spirit creature token with flying. You win with this card so often. So if often. you have a sacrifice outlet and a drain effect, mm. you basically do the math on your board. You go, how many creatures have I got? 
times by two because everyone that's gonna every single one of these that's gonna die and drain creates a one one so mm. I can sack and drain for another one. The really key line of text here is the fact that it doesn't say non-token on it. So you can sack token creatures and as long as they're mm. not spirits, they make spirits. So strong. Really hard to make to find cards that actually read like that. Yeah. Most of those effects will say non-token. Non but this one says non-spirit. So yeah, it's it's really sick. Incredible. Um, what's this like to play against in a game, James? Look, I'm not going to lie. This is an aristocrat's list that I wish I could build. Mm. I'm currently building a scorpion god, uh, black, red, neg one counters aristocrats. Yep. Thing. I've seen the super early version of this it's, deck. It's getting it's getting there. I'm yeah. not, it's like it's on Moxfield, but it's definitely needing work. But yeah. it this deck always does the aristocrats thing. I've never gone up against it and it not get to the point of I've got a board where I could instantly kill you just by sacking things, mm. which is so aristocratsy. Yeah. Um, the other thing that this deck does, which is surprising considering you had to get the tick of approval from Electra on all of these cards. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you with like a completely empty hand, maybe like one time, mm. but even in those situations, you've got enough ways of interacting with your graveyard that you've got a bunch of choices. Yeah. Um, it always finds the best value piece to put in onto the battlefield to drain or to generate like a bunch of mana or draw you more cards. Mm. I just think this is sick. And I also huge shout out to Electra for drawing your assassin tokens that yeah. Marchessa makes. I so love I got those. some custom proxies made and they are, yeah, the one, one death touch haste assassins yeah. are drawn by my partner and I use them every game. It's, it's awesome. They're very cool. Um, yeah, I'm totally with you on the, on the card draw thing. I actually, this is another one of those decks that I think most people are building wrong. Most people who build queen Marchesa explicitly build all these things that say like, don't attack me. Like they build a prison and then they're like, I'm the, I'm the monarch. I keep the monarch all the time. Queen Marchesa only triggers when you're not the monarch. So yep. in my opinion, my humble opinion, the card implies actually giving the monarchy away yep. and then using your death touch haste assassins, which no one's ever blocking, by the to way. To get it back. To get it back. Yep. Um, it's so rare that I don't either end up like drawing a card in my end step and giving a card to someone else and then just keep on doing that. And I get the assassin every turn. It's perfect for an Aristocrat's deck. The other really cool thing is if you're clever about, the, you know, where you're, who you give the monarchy to in the turn rotation, you can really incentivize your opponents to swing at each other. Yeah. And when I play against this deck, I've often been like, I really want that monarchy. So yeah. I'm coming at, I'm coming at you, Theo, because you stole it from Walt last turn and I'm getting it back. Yeah. And then on your turn, you're like, all right, I swing a one one death toucher at you i'm like nah no block there's the monarchy yeah, back <laughs> straight up it's so cool um in terms of piloting this deck for me this was the ultimate deck building challenge like even my knight's vorthos deck was not that much of a challenge this one really really tested my deck building abilities and it's really cool to feel that the deck actually kind of works mm. i built it early on and i think my first few games i was introducing it and being like this is a like flavor deck i don't think it's gonna work i said that for so many games i've it, stopped saying that it works man it, it totally works. does work and um yeah it's just such a experience like playing all these cards that i know my partner would love um the verdict on this deck Marchesa is a resilient streamlined deck that accrues value slowly and only if you think your way through it it's strong but fair and clear about what it's trying to do which makes it appropriate for many different tables more than any other deck I play this is a deck that tells a story to the table but it also tells a story to me about two nerdy creatives who met in Melbourne four years ago and the journey they've shared together this deck is maybe my proudest creation and it's an S with love yeah this is 
art but in the form of commander i love it so much. i love it i love it so much we That's did it all of my decks all of walt's decks all of them so let's run through the tiers again just in case you lost track sure. I, don't blame me it's been a long time in s tier i had marchesa katilda and leah and Kaza. that's in this is all in declining order so mm -hmm. best to worst uh in a tier i had azor the lawbringer my golems deck mowu and reese in b i had Araumi, sir gwyn and Merin. In C, I had Averna and Estrid. And in D, I had Yashan, Krakenachroma, and Wart. Now, I would like to know what tiers these decks go into for you in terms of, like, playing against them or, like, how much you think I have fun mm. when I play them. I'm glad you asked, because okay. I actually prepared this. Sure. Um, I saw this space command and was like, no, I want a tier waltz deck. <laughs> um, so my tiers for your decks in... I'll go from worst to best. Mm -hmm. In D tier, I've actually got Krak, Chroma, and Wart. Okay, similar in, to mine. Yeah. Similar to yours. In C tier, Seguin, Averna, and Golems. I'm Ooh, sorry. okay. B tier, Arami, Estrid, Yashan. Mm -hmm. And A tier, Azor, Kaza, Mowu, and Reese. And then S tier, Merin, Marchesa, and Katilda and Lear. So there's actually... There's a fair bit of overlap here. I'd be interested to talk about the... the I think there's three that we're quite different on. Mm. Um... The first one that comes to mind, Meren, you have in S tier. I love this deck, man. It, it's really, really good. I I said it like when we were talking about it in this episode, and I think that it does the thing really consistently. Mm. And it's a Meren deck that doesn't make me groan. Yeah. Like, it's not a birthing pod deck. It's mm. not... The way you had it built earlier, yes, I groaned at it. But yeah. this version of it, it's found its feet, it's found its home, and you win with it. Mm. I think it deserves a spot in the S tier because, wow. like, I reckon this is the deck that you pull out when you're like, I'm sick of losing. I kind of want to win the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. To be honest, I think this is an interesting one because this is not a deck that I reach for very often, but it's a deck where when I do reach for it, I have a blast. Yeah. So it's, maybe it's just a thing where I need to play this deck more because it is I think so. really fun when I do play it. Yep. Um, the next one I thought we were a bit different on, Sir Gwyn. You had quite low. I had it sort of around the middle of my tiers. What What is it about Seguin that you don't like? I just don't like how it doesn't win, <laughs> mainly. I just think that it's like I very rarely see it win. Mm. It gets a lot of value and deals a lot of damage. Yeah. But there's so often a, like the, the gameplay of like losing life to draw cards with your commander. Mm. Sometimes each turn you're punching yourself in the face for like six life. Yeah. Drawing six cards, but then discarding four... It's like, there's something about this deck that I'm like, I love the flavor of it and the Knights theme and stuff, but there's something about the fact that it doesn't win that mm. irks me. Right. And I think the only way to make it better is the reason I said it was so good is because it doesn't include all of the really good swords, yeah. the equipment. If you did include those, you would be winning so many more games. Oh yeah, just a sort of Feast and Famine in this deck would be like an exponential increase yep. in power. 100%. That's fair. Yeah, I think I think I actually, <laughs> I agree. It is sad that it doesn't win more often, but I also kind of, I think it's good to have some decks like that, I guess is yep. my thinking. But I see why you you rated it low. I, I agree, it very rarely wins. Mm. Um, the other one, I think this is the biggest discrepancy. The Golem deck. I had this in, I think, what, A or B? Tier, I, think, I think, yeah, you had it quite high. Quite high. You've got it I said very it in C, low yeah. in C. What's, what is it about the Golem deck you don't like? The casting cost of Ishtakik probably right. being the one thing. Yeah. I also just think, like, the deck 
is not in its right colors. I feel like mm. it could be built with different commanders and still do the same thing, maybe. Yeah. Um, but also, like, you know, there are just so many, in my opinion, funner artifact decks to play. Like, right. I've built Tornos recently, and mm. Tornos is an absolute blast for me yeah. because it does artifact things. You're doing creature things mm. with artifacts. Right. I don't know. I just... I feel like if you're playing with artifacts, play with artifacts. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think at the very least, if I had blue in there, it if would be much stronger. If you had blue, you'd be gassed. Yeah. I, but did, even red, maybe. Even yeah, red. it's interesting though because then it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the same to me. Like I yeah. I, I yeah I actually enjoy as we've d- discovered with a few of those decks, I actually quite enjoy a challenge, and I think the green white for the golems actually is what makes it really challenging to me. Yeah, yeah I appreciate it as a deck building challenge mm. and the fact that you you did it and it works, you know, yeah. some of the time. But I, the reason I ranked it lower was because I just couldn't stop my brain going, it just doesn't win and it no. doesn't do enough. And it That's doesn't, true. Like, I think it's going to get better and better. I think after you have a look at, like, I know you've included some of the Phyrexia Orby 1 cards. Mm. I know you got that, like, Ozolith thing in there now as well. But yeah, like, Ozolith the Shattered Spire is really good in the deck, yeah. I think it will just get better and better. And when I start seeing it work more and more, I'll probably bump it up in my okay. opinion. I respect that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well... I've built a lot of Commander decks, but not all of them are hits right out of the box or ever. Um, <laughs> walking through all my decks, the things I enjoy about piloting them and the things that those around me gain when I play them has given me a lot of awareness of what it is I'm looking for when I play Commander. And I hope it's caused you to reflect on the same for yourself. We play a wild format, but somehow we mostly end up having a good time together and that's why we love it. So, Space, Space Commanders, Commanders, Command Received! Whew. Yeah, God, this has been a long haul. If you've if you've wanted an episode where Walt just like dances around the room and says, "Look at me, look at me," <laughs> this is your episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Wow, I see how you really feel. <laughs> um, so, the listeners out there, do you feel commanded? What do you think of my commander decks? Which of these decks have you never heard me talk about? Or seen me play. I really want to know mm. which of those you were kind of like, wow, Walt must not like that deck very much because he never mentions it. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, look, if you want to see Walt play these decks, you can actually get in touch with us um, via email, join our Discord, and the Discord really is the best place to do it because we'll be streaming spell table games on there mm. occasionally. Um, but also, bit of a shout out to our Twitch, which we talked about at the start of the episode, mm. which we're really trying to get some commander games streamed soon so go and subscribe to the twitch channel mm-hmm. it's get commanded so yep. go and have a look on twitch.tv slash get commanded to subscribe to that yeah definitely do uh, you can also follow us on twitter to see our thoughts on upcoming cards sets events and just other general magic the gathering updates that don't qualify as a podcast episode <laughs> uh, we're at get commanded on there and of course don't forget to check out our patreon page which is linked in the show notes for more ways to support the get commanded podcast directly we would like to thank our patron stella tam and a very very special th- shout out to Fletcher Cutting, who supports us in the Space Commander tier. You're the best, Fletcher. You are the best. And Palms Off Gaming, you're also the best. They sponsor this podcast. They create some really good deck boxes, sleeves, binders, and all those gaming accessories you need to keep your cards safe. Check them out at palmsoffgaming.com.au. What an episode, Walt. This has been a big one. Whew. Do you want to walk away from your Commander decks for a bit and planeswalk somewhere else? Let's planeswalk to my work. Fun, yeah. The two things you do in life. Build commander decks and work. Yeah. I mean, 
I realise it's something I've never talked about on the podcast before. I don't oh. think. Anyway, or maybe very, very briefly. We were talking about my job at a university. Yeah. What, yeah, come um, on. I work part-time at a theatre venue uh, called Arts Centre Melbourne. Yeah, one of the biggest in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, I was specifically shouting it out because I actually saw a couple of members of our community at an event recently. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, so I was working in the box office, which is where I, I work, and I, was, I happened to be out on the counter, which is not something I do very often because I'm usually sort of back in the manager's office. And um, a couple of members of our community rocked up because it was the um, Game Grumps Live. Oh, the event that, that makes on. a lot of sense. So I saw them and I was like, I see why you're here. And yeah. they, they waved, but they looked really shocked. And I realized, wow, I don't actually don't really mention my work very often yeah, to many fair. people. So, um, yeah, I work in this great theater venue. Um, it's, yeah, we They're- have... All sorts of different stuff. Game Grumps felt like a real clash mm. of interests to me to be like, oh my God, my two interests are colliding. That's cool. Because Aaron Hansen, I don't know if people know, but plays Commander. He's yeah. been on um, he's been Commander on at Home. He's been on Game Nights. Yeah. yeah. Um, really, really cool guy. Maybe Extra Turns he was on. I can't remember maybe. if he was on the day. He's been on Commander at Home, I know for yeah. sure. And I think he's also been on like um, Elder Dragon Hijinks. Yeah. That one that Ailish and... Ailey? Ailey, not Ailey. Ailish. Yeah. Ailey and um, Olivia Govetics run... Uh, but yeah, yeah. No, I work in a theatre venue. Well, it's, look, uh, if you're ever going to the theatre in Melbourne, keep your eyes peeled for... There might be a little Walt running around yeah, behind the scenes. Trying behind to... the box office yeah. somewhere, tucked away. Probably I'll be there. <laughs> um, having fun and meeting other creative people, which is really the best part of that. Yeah, and like you're in the space that you really care about. Like the yeah. reason why we have these thrifty interludes, honestly, is a way for you to be like, this is way I can stretch my creative <laughs> muscles and do something it's that's true. also MTG themed. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really glad that you work in a place like that it's mm. um, I'm really looking to get into a space that I'm in an industry where I'm really passionate about it mm. so yeah props man it's a good yeah. place to work it's cool it's cool and I get a lot of benefits I get to go see theatre shows yeah sometimes <laughs> we get sneaky free tickets and James has seen I've two seen or three now? two or three and then yeah. we also went to yeah we went Lano and Woodley yes um, that was incredible but yeah occasionally Walt will message me and be like hey are you free in like a couple of weeks there's this show that I'm, I'm keen to take <laughs> you to yeah I love good, it it's a good place to work Um, that's all we have time for. So we'll see you next Friday for another transmission from the Space Commanders. Goodbye, Commander players.